Sometimes the fun begins when the paved road ends. Chevy Silverado 2500 HD is made to work hard and play hard on the road or off. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for details and experience life in HD. For the final time for a while. Yes. We are coming to you tonight from the studios of WKGC-FM high atop the Charles Hilton Center for Advanced Technology and Hospitality Management at Gulf Coast State College in Panama City, Florida. You should see that on a hoodie. It's really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) It starts at the shoulders and goes all all the the way way down. down. Well, that's why the cape. We only sell them in XL. Do you? That's it. That's the voice of Tom Hoots at the other end of the table. And on my right is Caleb Jordan. And back in Chicago, we have a newsman. Ron Brown is in here tonight. Hey, Ron. Hey, Ron. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Good, good, good. We put up some pictures of our trip into the station tonight. And it's mighty pretty, but it was hot and humid. Forgive me for saying that, but it was hot and humid. It was a little like summertime. <laughs> or, or as the weather forecasters down here say, it's weather you can wear. <laughs> yes. Oh, I see. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll be happy to see you back here. Well, thank you. Do me a favor, because uh, we were hanging on to every word, but you got to the story about recalls of vehicles, and we have a GM vehicle, and I think I glazed oh. over. Oh, okay. Okay, sure. Can that, you uh, repeat that for us? Yeah, it affects uh, Buick Enclaves. Mm-hmm. Chevy uh, Traverses and GMC Acadius from okay. 2014 to 2017. Okay. okay. None of those are us, but, but still uh, pay attention yeah. and contact your GM dealer because this is important stuff. Uh, yeah, it's your a, airbag. Yeah, that's a million cars that it could affect. Wow. So there's a lot of people out there, and it uh, uh, causes the uh, airbag inflators to explode. Yikes. And this is different because GM uses a different kind of airbag inflator than a lot of manufacturers. The uh, It had been Takata. T- Takata, yeah. That was Ford and a whole bunch of other manufacturers. And they did a big recall of yeah. those airbags. Yeah. Because we went through that, too, with a, another vehicle. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, last we talked, Ron, I think you had just come back from a, a great trip to Washington. Washington, D.C., yes. I went yeah. to uh, Virginia to visit my uh, nephew who's out there. We're baseball fans, and he said, come on out, let's watch the Cubs that uh, play the Nationals. So we nice. did that. It was fantastic, and uh, I got to see all those iconic uh, uh, memorials that you, yeah. you, know, you live with, and you, they become a part of you, but it's a different feeling standing in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Great know? pictures. Yeah, yeah, I think whatever your politics are, doesn't matter. When you're standing in front of those iconic figures, it's a whole different thing. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And there were a lot of uh, veterans there. Uh, there were a lot of school kids there. Uh, so it just, uh, there was a lot of joy uh, mm-hmm. around uh, the memorials. Uh, now, not so much around the Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial, but sure. it was very somber. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was good to see all the uh, remembrances that people had left behind, the photos mm-hmm. and flowers mm-hmm. that, uh, the, that they're still remembering those uh, fallen heroes. Did you have a class trip when you were in high school? Not to Washington, D.C., I didn't know. Because I know it's pretty common to, to make mm-hmm. a trip to Washington, because our neighbor kids, that's, that's where they went. And I thought, that's really cool, because we went to Galena. <laughs> yeah, well, we went to the Brookfield Zoo. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went to the Field Museum. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! <laughs> it was really fun, but you didn't get to spend the night. You, you didn't get to take a bus, but you got to go home on a bus, too. Yeah, but there are still a lot of school kids uh, who yeah. were there, and, and it was very heartening to see that, and, and they were enjoying themselves. 
So when you clock out, uh, Gabe is in tonight. He's back and uh, feeling um, raring to go. Tip-top shape. Right, Gabe? All right. He just nodded. He gave me a thumbs up. I heard it. I heard him nod. <laughs> He's a good guy. And the keeper of the big plug tonight, uh, he without whom you would not be hearing That's us. Right. Uh, that would be your Brett Jackson. Uh, fresh off his stint as uh, Bart on Maverick, but that's a whole nother story. How you doing, Brett? I'm good. I was also once a failed Cubs prospect as well, apparently. Oh, that's oh. true. I forgot about that part of your history. Yes, it, and and this this may or may not be true, but a long time ago when I was working, when Tribune still owned the company, there was I was once told by someone in management that the other Brett Jackson was actually getting some of my paychecks from Tribune Media. Whoa. Well. <laughs> Well, that explains the bankruptcy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they had to pay us both, you know, whatever it was at the time, $10 an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there was a soap opera star named Jackson Bretson. I haven't heard that one yet. Yeah, that's weird, too. <laughs> was he getting checked? That too? wasn't his name. He might have been name. at that point. No. That was his, his on the show. Because they, they come up with, you know, somebody just spins a dial and says, how weird can we get to name the characters on soap operas? <laughs> also, behind the glass tonight. For his first night as a as our new full time yes, producer, it's official. Welcome, Julian. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Notice how he kind of sneaks in. Yes, you're a little scary, Julian. Am I really? <laughs> I couldn't hurt a fly if I tried. No, you sound like that guy when you're babysitting and the phone rings and you pick up the phone and you go, "What? What? You're in the house?" Get livelier, Julian, because you're going to freak me out with that voice, okay? Will do. (laughs) That's good. Thank you. Yes, Julian, welcome to the show. He has decided to sign on. Andrew is going to have a life. Knowing Andrew, he's probably listening to the show because... (laughs) Well, I I was just thinking about this. This is Andrew's first Saturday night off in in years. Probably years. He's, he's probably looking around the wall saying, what do I do with this? Don't let him in if he comes to the station, okay? He was saying he might just walk in anyway, just out of habit. <laughs> oh, golly. So we're well covered tonight, you guys. Stay with us. We've got so much coming up tonight. In a few minutes, we're going to take a trip and... Um, We're going to recognize some of our favorite people at one of our favorite places. We're going to make you hungry. Yes. The iconic Superdog Drive-In celebrates 75 years in Chicago. And if you don't know their story, it is on the list of 100 places you should visit before you die. Literally. There are the pyramids. Mm -hmm. And there's Superdog. I mean, the place that you should go. Pyramids, Superdog, easy choice for me. So we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last week to celebrate their their 75th uh, anniversary. And a couple of our favorite people, one of the nicest couples in the world, ran it forever. Mm -hmm. And we have some great memories that we spent uh, uh, many hours with Maury and Flory. But we're going to talk to Maury and Flory's daughter and son-in-law coming up in a few. So stay with us. A lot coming up tonight on WGN. I'm trying to think of the the name of this. Julian, what is this? I love this. I've I've heard it before, and I'm trying to think of what it is. That is Rush, the spirit of radio. Oh, of course. course. Yes. Yes. Got to begin the day with a friendly voice. (laughs) And it's a perfect way to lead in to our shout-out for tonight. 
We have uh, posted on our Facebook page that if you're listening, tell us where you're going to be listening from. Mm -hmm. And I've decided that the majority of people that are listening are in Indiana and Wisconsin. (laughs) So Chicago, if you're out there, we'd love to hear from you, too. Uh, Pamela Walker is listening from St. Anne, Illinois. And Patrice uh, checks in from Highland, Indiana. Randy, Randy is in New Palestine. I looked it up. It's Palestine, Indiana. Sandy McCumas is in Michigan City, Indiana. And in uh, Wisconsin, we've got Helen and Jean Jacobson. And uh, out in Sandwich, we've got our buddy Bobby Danos is listening. Hey, Bobby. And Christine Failings in Plainfield. And Joe Smith is in Nashville again. Joe, thank you so much for tuning in. Joan is in Granville, South Carolina. Jean is in Colorado listening in tonight. Uh, and streaming has changed our life because it's so oh, yeah. easy for people just to tune in on their phone or their computer and that's what they do and for those of you who have checked in and said but i'm working or i've got things i have to do on saturday night that's why god invented podcasts yes thank goodness again changed our lives dramatically when we got the internet and when we got uh, the ability to stream our shows live and uh, when we took text and we take text all night long at 312-981-7200 and you can jump into our facebook page that's facebook.com slash steve and johnny show and spell johnny j-o-h-n-n-i-e and also check out our blog at uh, stevenjohnny.wordpress.com and my apologies we have been so remiss in updating our blog because quite candidly while we've been in florida We've been having a fair amount of construction done mm-hmm. to our little yellow house, and uh, it's preoccupied a lot of our time, so we're behind her in our blog posting <laughs> than we'd like to be. <laughs> because, doggone it, we have to oversee the work that's being done. We walk out, we go, oh, that looks great. Can you do this? Because well, and now we need to be very careful of the mama cat and her babies who decided to take up residence under a little hole in the construction of our deck. They're so precious. Mama and four babies. I'll be showing pictures later tonight. In fact, we'll post pictures because you won't believe it. When I called the no-kill shelter and said, what do I do? They said, oh, well, oh you, they were a help. you have to catch them. Really? Really? How yeah. do I catch them? So every day I go out there and I baby talk to them and I bring them food because that's what I was told to do. And hopefully they will get comfortable with me and then they'll just walk right into that cage so then I can just slam the the door shut and then take them to the no-kill shelter. I don't understand people who work for a living and at their job, when you call them, they say, Okay, here's what you have to do. No, I'm sorry. I'm calling you because you're the person who's supposed to do this thing. Yes. Why am I calling? Why are you being well, paid I guess for this? I guess they're not supposed to do it. They're supposed to teach us how to do it. Because it is a very laborious task to get a, a creature to trust you enough to walk into a cage. I was told just... Oh, management did it to us years ago. <laughs> So I'm trying. Bottom line, for all you cat lovers out there, I'm trying. And I came in today and I was excited because Mama didn't run for me, right? I said she sat there and glared at me like, don't take another step. But at least she didn't run from me. Um, And this evening, I, I think... 
I saw another one join the crowd. I think they're partying tonight. Yeah, I think on this our was deck. the daddy who finally <laughs> showed a, up. A huge party on the deck tonight. He said, so. "Okay, now that mom's got him trained, uh, <laughs> no. daddy will show up." And don't uh, say that. I may not be leaving here if we keep talking about this um, because uh, again. We will take care of the situation, folks. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Loretta, who tells me she's 90 years young and she's been listening to GN forever. She's in Tinley Park. Thank you so much. And Brian Lefevre is a top fan who's with us every Saturday night, Mm -hmm. and we do appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you for checking in. And speaking of 90 years young, my brother had a wonderful blog post this week. Yes, And it had to do with... His visiting a woman that he or I hadn't seen since we were kids. Over 70 years. And there's this weird six degrees of separation stuff. A dear friend of Lee's and ours, Tim, his aunt turns out to be the woman who, when we were growing up, rented the apartment upstairs from us at 8039 Manistee on the south side of Chicago. And don't try to go past the building because, sadly, after we we left years after that, it burned down. But turns out that Tim took Lee to see June, and she is 90, and she is just delightful, and Lee's latest blog, uh, and you can find links to Lee's blog. Uh, uh, scroll through our Facebook post. And, and you'll, you'll find, find it. it, yeah. And it's just a, it was just a wonderful, yeah. wonderful afternoon. Ninety ain't what ninety used to be. Ninety is the new sixty, I think. <laughs> okay, really? I'm going to remind you of that when I ask you to do stuff. <laughs> well, I didn't say that it uh, it meant that you had to do any more things. I merely say it's the new sixty. Now, okay. Now, at sixty, can be a very lazy age. <laughs> All right. Coming up, we're going to talk to Superdog, and coming up, we are going to recognize the fact that May is Celiac Awareness Month. Yep. And for those of you who've listened to our show over the years, you know that one of us deals with, well, actually both of us, one of us is a celiac, and both of us deal with it on a daily basis, changed our lives, and we love the fact that there's a month set aside. In fact, Tuesday is Celiac International Sea Lake mm-hmm. Awareness Day, and we're going to talk to an ambassador from a group called Beyond Celiac. Also later tonight, we're going to tell uh, you how to get some good sports cards. Yes. If you sports are- cards are a bazillion dollar business, if, so we're going to talk yeah. about that tonight. And we're going to try and solve some computer problems with our friend Patrick Crispin. So that's uh, a bunch of what we have coming up, so stay with us at WGN. Hot dog, buddy, buddy. Yeah. We're going to be so hungry for hot dogs after oh, this already. conversation. Yeah. Uh, talk about one of our favorite places in the city of Chicago. Celebrated its 75th anniversary last it's week. It's not only one of our favorite places in Chicago. It is on the the list of uh, the places you need to see. Before you die. The 100 places you must visit before you die. You will find Superdog on that list. And joining us tonight on the radio... We have. Do we have both uh, Don and Lisa with us this evening? Yes, it is. Yeah. Hey, Stephen, Johnny. Hi there. Hey guys. You guys. How are you? Good, good, good. I'm so happy to talk to you, um, uh, Lisa. Let us back up and, and tell our audience that in fact you are the daughter of uh, the hot dogs that are on top of Super Dogs, Maureen Flory Berman, right? That's correct. I'm the youngest Berman, and I'm Florian Maury's only daughter. <laughs> 
And, and Flory and Maury were, were dear, dear friends, longtime listeners of ours. Uh, know that for many, many years, most of our really important events would be catered, catered by Maury, Maury and Florian and Superdog. Superdog. Yes. And can we just go out on record right now and thank you guys for, because that was not an easy task for you. I know, Don, you would be the one hauling up the the, the, the big chests of, of hot dogs, and then it was the big chest of the, the milkshakes and all that good stuff. And thank you for all of that. It was always our pleasure. It's always our pleasure. And, uh, you know, we, we love WGN. We love you guys. And we love catering. And, you know, being around for 75 years. Um, so it, it's just very humbling. Now, now, we talk about this is your 75th anniversary. We have to back up uh, a little bit, 75 years yeah, worth. Yes. To, to the days when Maury first had the idea of doing this at that location. And Lisa, um, this was long before you were born, but uh, folks who were around back in 1948, they know that the area where Superdog is today, Milwaukee, Devon, and Nagel, was basically the end of the streetcar line. It was um, not populated the way it is now. There were forest preserves out there. And your dad had just come home from the war. Take it from there. How did Superdog happen after that? My dad had, as you said, Johnny, my dad had just come home from the war. My folks had just gotten married in August of 1947. They were high school sweethearts. They had gone to Von Steuben together on the north side and had gone to, they were each other's prom dates. And then World War II, my dad had, you know, went overseas. My mother continued here her studies at Northwestern and became a school teacher. My dad came home from service and kind of picked up where he had left off, picked up his high school sweetheart, and they got married in August of 47. But my dad began going to college. He wanted to become a CPA. And he was, he was taking accounting classes and said to his newlywed at that time, imagine being married less than a year, and said, Flory, let, you, don't, you won't teach in the summer, and I won't go to school in the summer. And we'll open this little hot dog stand, <laughs> and we'll do it for the summer. We'll make some money, and then in the fall, you'll go back to teaching, and I'll go back to college. And that was what they did in the summer of 1948, 1949, in 1950. And as we like to say, and here we are today in 2023. <laughs> and I was right when I said, really, that area was not very populated. Kids would come to that area, get off the street too hard to go swimming, right? Right across the street. Yes. It's, it's almost hard to imagine. I'm actually sitting here right now, and I look out at busy Milwaukee Avenue and the strip center across the street and the other shopping center across the street. And the homes immediately to our east. And none of that was here in 1948. Um, hard to imagine that this was kind of the prairie. I don't think it was so much farmland at the time. It was just from the description and from the photos we have, it was just undeveloped prairie. And my dad came out here, my folks came out here because there was, a, there was property for rent. And as you said, it was at the end of the streetcar line. As you know, the suburbs start just north of us. And there was no air conditioning at the very little. <laughs> cars didn't have air conditioning. Right. Mm-hmm. And people were beginning to buy cars again after the war. And gas rationing was over. So they could take a ride to, quote, the country, out the outskirts <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And right. 
take a ride, roll the windows down, and enjoy a meal in their car. So it, it really is hard when I look across the street and see all the development. We've been here. We didn't change. The world just changed around us. Right. Well, speaking of the world changing around us, I, I don't know that I ever asked your mom and dad this question, so I'll throw it out for both of you. Do you recall, was there a time or a point where you started to realize that this family business of yours was starting to develop this iconic reputation and was becoming the must-see, must-eat-at place that it is now. Do you recall, was, was there a point where you started becoming aware that, you know, something special is starting to big. happen here? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, we never really thought about it, but thinking back, um, you know, I've only, Lisa and I've been married now 34, 34 years, and uh, it, looking back, when I first came to the family and to Superdog, you know, we didn't have, you know, magazines or radio stations or, or anybody coming to us and, you know, featuring us. Mm-hmm. And probably around our, I'd say, what, least about our 50th? You know? Last 25 years. Last 25 years. Yeah. There's been more of that. And you know, we like to say it, we are iconic. I mean, as you know, Chicago's really known <laughs> for three foods, hot dogs, Italian beef, and pizza. Right. Yep. And we've kind of been, become the iconic Chicago uh, dog to have. So basically, and, since since you're saying within the past 25 years, you say it's all because of us, right? Yes. We, we put you on yeah, the map. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> You brought right. Fran. <laughs> That's yes. right. We bought Fran, Fran from Alaska. We and Fran and everything took off from there. Yeah. And uh, if you go to WGNRadio.com and do a search for Superdog, you will see a wonderful picture. And I have to back up a little bit for people who may not know. Fran Tate was a wonderful, wonderful lady that we became dear friends with. And she uh, would come down, dress up as an Easter Bunny, come down from Barrow, Alaska, as it was called then, dress up as an Easter Bunny, and go around and distribute presents to the kids at Children's Memorial Hospital. Well, we had a a Meet Fran Tate event at Superdog, and there is a picture on WGNRadio.com of Fran and Maury and Flory and Johnny's mom and dad and the two of us. Yeah. That that was a, a wonderful day. Well, oh my! It was wonderful. We did it for a few years. Yes, yes. It came a few a few springs. A number of uh, springs, a number of easters. I mean, the first one I think that we did, we did it at the station with just like you know, yes, like, yes, a, a we sure did, yes. or something, a raffle yeah. or lottery yes. or something. And, and I think was it with the second one that we almost shut down Milwaukee Avenue because of the, <laughs> the traffic? Yeah. all the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the police department said you need to tell us this in the future. Yeah. You're going to have an event like this <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the day. Yes. All right. We're right. going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about what makes Superdog special for those people. As I said at the top of the show, we've got people listening to us all around the country, and they might be saying, "Well, a hot dog is a hot dog." 
No, you you haven't lived, and we'll tell you why a super dog is special, and we'll give you a little bit more history, like how much they cost back in 1948. So stay with us here on WGN. I think Joseph is singing along now. (laughs) You know, when you sing this with a seven-year-old, it gets stuck in the jukebox in your head forever. We are talking (laughs) hot dogs. We're talking about the one and only Super Dogs celebrating 75 years at Milwaukee, Devon, and Nagel in Chicago. And with us is um, Lisa Berman Drucker and her husband, Don Drucker. And they are probably, you're at Super Dog right now, aren't you? Sure. <laughs> You're at Super Dog all the time. What do you- in fact, we should mention there are now two, two Super Dog locations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one up in Wheeling now. What? How does Wheeling differ? We haven't been to the location in Wheeling. I know the parking lot is bigger. How else does it differ than the original on Milwaukee and, and Devon? There isn't really too much that's different. Other, I like to call it Chicago on steroids. In, <laughs> in Chicago, okay. we have, you know, 33 car spaces. Uh-huh. And in Wheeling, we have about 80 car spaces. Uh, we have a much bigger picnic area there. The dining room is much bigger in Wheeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are still the, the, the Mori and Flory on the roof. Um, and one other difference in, in Wheeling is that we have a drive through as mm-hmm. well as the drive-in with oh. car hop service yeah. and the dining room. So, uh, But we really tried to make it when we built it back in, uh, well, we opened it in 2010. So when we built it in 2009, we, ma- we did our darndest to try to keep all the features of the 1948 Chicago location and make it in, you know, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have the canopies with the uh, ordering system that you can order from your car, mm-hmm. uh, the tile work, the, uh, the neon is, is all the same, uh, but I like to call it Chicago on steroids. That's great. Lisa, uh, it, it, explain for us, because um, you're talking about having the same electronic uh, capability mm-hmm. of ordering from your car. That wasn't invented when Superdog opened, was it? No. When we opened in 48, it was kind of like you see on TV, where the car hop came out to your car. We had cardboard menus. You blinked your lights when you were ready for service. That was how you got the car hop's attention, uh-huh. was to blink. Everything was done with headlights, probably some hand-waving at the time as well. <laughs> and in the mid-'50s, about 1954, my dad saw this electronic ordering system at the, rest, at the National Restaurant Show. And my father was always very innovative and was always looking to... So the next best thing, we had one of the first pop machines in Chicago. And so really? he put the electronic, yes, and that's fascinating. Prior to that, Steve, from 48 to the mid-50s, that all the pop was in bottles. Imagine that. Oh, sure. And, when we, and then we went back to the car and took your bottle back. But getting back on track with the electronic ordering system, so the ordering system was first installed in the mid-50s, about 54, and... As you know, because you've been here, you press the button. We greet every customer with, Hiya, 
thanks for stopping. May I take mm-hmm. your order, please? And then it's a, we like to say it's a conversation between us and you, the customer, as to what you want and most specifically how you want it prepared, how you want it dressed. Because you might not like mustard or you might want extra hot peppers. So we have a, a two-way conversa- a conversation mm-hmm. and then we prepare the food inside and we bring it out to your car and serve you in your car. We like to say that our dining room is your car. We take our food and we make it. We make your car the dining room. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I had to chuckle when you said "hiya" because I can hear your dad saying that. Oh, yeah. I can hear Maury oh, saying yes. "hiya." <laughs> um, how much was a hot dog back in 1948? I'm go- Let me guess. I'm going to say. Well, I'm going to say it was well, 30, 30 cents. No, twenty-two. 22, 22 cents for cents? a super dog? Wow. And fries, just like you wow. got them today. A super dog, hard to imagine. But wow. in 1948, you know, what we pay for gas today? What we pay at the grocery store today? Yeah. So yeah. I'm saying that with a chuckle. But imagine for 22 cents, you could get a super dog with fries. Nestled in a bed of fries. Of, yeah, nestled in a bed, exactly. Contentedly cushioned. <laughs> <laughs> as our box says yes yes and the boxes were there from the beginning too served in boxes and not wax paper right yes they were exactly again wanting to be different wanting to be unique not to want you unique is a better word yes. wanting to be original yes. why is super dog spelled s-u-p-e-r-d-a-w-g we're not just super dog d-o-g <laughs> no, we're D-A-W-G, as you know. Why do we have a, a green pickled tomato rather than a red tomato like everybody else in Chicago? We wanted, Maury wanted to be unique. Yes. And, and I should mention that for people listening to us around the country, go to superdog.com. Yes, D-A-W-G. Right. All beef, and they've been all beef from the beginning, right? Oh, gosh, yes. From the bottom of our pure beef heart. <laughs> That's exactly how I was going to sign off, from the bottom of my pure beef heart. You know, it, it really, I, it, it makes me feel so good to, to reconnect with you two. I know you've gone through a difficult time with the pandemic, as restaurants have, but I think you probably came out a lot better than some restaurants because you kind of invented the whole bringing food out to the car, right? Well, I like to say... You know, the pandemic kind of forced restaurants to go to curbside delivery. We've mm-hmm. always had curbside delivery. We just have a bigger curb. <laughs> I love it. Touche. Well, we look forward to getting back to Chicago and coming by to see you guys again. And thank you for joining us. And happy anniversary. And may there be 75 more years of Superdog in Chicago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, thank guys. You. Take care. Thanks a lot, guys. It's always fun to talk to them. Gosh. Uh Now, we're going to stay on the subject of food, but we're going to segue to gluten-free food. Uh, We don't like to beat you kids over the head with our, our medical stories. But every now and then, if there is something that we feel might help someone that we have learned that we can share, we try to do that. Uh, as we did when uh, Johnny was diagnosed with uh, anosmia, 
which is a loss of a loss of taste and smell. And as we've done for years, uh, after I found out what was causing some of my problems uh, with the diagnose, diagnosis of celiac sprue back in 2000. January of 2000, 23 years ago. But interesting to me and frustrating to me, I knew we were going to be talking about this tonight. Every week as we're doing preparation for the show, Johnny and I take some time and we we try to come up with some things that would be bumps, mm-hmm. that would be music that relates to the subject that mm-hmm. we're talking about. I got so frustrated as I was looking for celiac or gluten-related bumps. I found a number of songs, but every single song I found was someone singing about how Oh, I really wish I could have bread that had gluten in it again. Or making fun of people who have to be gluten-free, because that's kind of a theme in some uh, cartoons. And and I've got a sense of humor, as everybody else does, but it was so frustrating to me, and I guess I must be luckier than most people, because after this diagnosis, I have no desire to go back and eat gluten because you are an extraordinary cook, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but you've gone out of your way to learn how to cook wonderful gluten-free foods. So you don't miss it. Absolutely, I, yeah. I do but not. But it's not easy. It's not easy, and that's why I'm glad that we have a, a period in the year that's set aside to raise awareness, and that's why we're going to hang our hat on the fact that May is Celiac Awareness Month, and Tuesday is, in fact, International Celiac Disease Awareness Day. And we are going to spend some time, and if you've got any questions or comments on this subject, 312-981-7200 is our telephone number. And joining us right now is a woman who is um, also a celiac and is an ambassador for Beyond Celiac, which is a wonderful group that uh, I, I find very supportive for people who just don't know what to do mm-hmm. once they get the diagnosis. Her name is Hayden Bishop. And Hayden, thank you so much for joining us tonight in WGN. Hi, Hayden. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for um, talking about this. So when were you diagnosed with celiac disease? I was diagnosed May five years ago. Mm-hmm. So five years ago, I'll just say five years compared to 20 years ago, you could at least buy food that was edible. 20 years ago, there was not so much out there. <laughs> Literally, Hayden, when I was first diagnosed, Johnny and I went to a Whole Foods. We got some gluten-free bread. It should have been a clue when the end date on the bread was a year beyond the purchase date. We got it home, tried to eat it. It was like a gluten-free brick. We tossed it out to the birds. They wouldn't even have The birds have it. wouldn't it eat it. It was awful. <laughs> was really bad (laughs) well let's start at the beginning how uh, when people say to you you say i'm on a gluten-free diet and they think maybe it's a fad thank you gwyneth paltrow and you say no actually i'm a celiac how do you define what it is that you are dealing with hayden you know i think it's really hard because there is already a misconception that eating gluten-free is something people do to in quote stay healthy or get skinny and being having celiac disease I usually start by saying it is a severe autoimmune disease that affects your entire life 
And I usually leave it at that unless people ask more questions. And then I start to say, you know, it's a disease where you can't consume gluten, which Mm -hmm. is a protein found in wheat, rye, and barley, or any derivatives of. And that limits being able to eat any food that you have not prepared for the most part yourself. Right. And it also comes with a list of over 200 symptoms that people experience, sometimes with gluten exposure, sometimes without gluten exposure. Right. I actually came across a figure, and I find this just mind-boggling, that the food that you will find in your local grocery store today, 80% of it has gluten. Yeah. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. So that just shows you how hard it is to go shopping for a gluten-free diet. I mean, it's really, sometimes it's, as you know, Hayden, it's the challenge that you have to go to multiple stores to get your bread at one store and your crackers at another store and your soup someplace else. Um, but you you talk about the symptoms, some hundreds of symptoms. I always kind of put it under the, because this gets people's attention, when I say, basically, you have mal, you, are, you are suffering from malnutrition. And I'm going to jump in here at this point and say, without getting into a, a whole lot of explanation, my main symptom when I was first diagnosed, I was losing 12 pounds a week. The doctors thought I had cancer. Right. I got very lucky, got a European doctor who recognized the signs. He said, have you ever been tested for celiac sprue? I said, I never heard of it. Ran the test, came back positive. He called and said, okay, here's the deal. You've got celiac disease. Uh, You're good with steak, chocolate, and potatoes. He said, beyond that, go to the Internet and see what you can find. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Hayden, in your case, it was a dermatologist that you initially went to a dermatologist because of what is very common among celiacs, a a particular rash. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Dermatitis herpetiformis, also referred to as DH. And I had actually seen three dermatologists that instead of testing it, just diagnosed it as it was eczema, it was fungal, and they just gave me treatments. And every time it seemed to get a little better and then it would come back worse. And I finally just demanded that they skin test it. And they said, it's probably this, this, or this. Oh, and it might be this thing called celiac, but I don't think so. (laughs) And two weeks later came back. Wow. We're talking with Hayden Bishop. It's Celiac Awareness Month. And uh, stay with us because... We're going to touch on some things like um, foods that are, in fact, we heard from a listener who has a nephew has started his own gluten-free line of food, which is really exciting. But Hayden Bishop is with us. We're talking about celiac disease, and it's an autoimmune condition, and the gluten-free diet is basically the cure. That and more here on WGN. May is Celiac Awareness Month. And we're spending a little time talking about that with Hayden Bishop, who is the ambassador of Beyond Celiac. And uh, I think I misspoke, Hayden. I said before we went to the break, I said, uh, yes, um, celiac disease is an autoimmune condition. And in fact, the gluten-free diet is the cure. There really is no cure, right? That's just a way to live comfortably with the autoimmune condition. Am I correct? Partly. I mean... For some, the gluten-free diet is a way to live comfortably. For others, which is a big reason that Beyond Celiac and other organizations like Beyond Celiac exist, um, 
It is not comfortable, and there are still a lot of complications and symptoms that come along with celiac disease, even though adhering to a strict gluten-free diet. Mm -hmm. For example, when I was dealing with uh, dermatitis... uh, uh, DH. DH, thank (laughs) you, because I always mispronounce it. Uh, It was determined that I needed a little more vitamin in my diet. Yeah, and but. Again, as you experienced, Hayden, going through multiple doctors, too, celiac, I I was hoping that in 20 years things would change, but it's just not one of those go-to diagnoses, and yet it it doesn't take that much to test for it, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's kind of two sort of schools of thought. There are some European countries that only require a blood test. Mm -hmm. to be done but here in the u.s they require a blood test and a biopsy confirmation it's kind of the gold standard yeah yeah, that's what is called the gold standard yeah and that would that would be an intestinal biopsy and sadly as you're saying as much information as we now have most of the information points to there is no one size fits all diagnosis slash cure because celiac disease can present itself in different ways with different people and in fact go ahead Hayden there's been a lot of research and studies that have been done in the past couple of years and the the government I believe in 2020 was the first year that they finally released funding so that pharmaceutical companies could be funded to actually have drugs in clinical trial trial process for celiac disease specifically. But because of that funding, there has been recent studies that show 50% or more of people with celiac disease who've been diagnosed and they are on strict gluten-free diets are still experiencing moderate to severe symptoms. Mm-hmm. And I think you're one of those people, am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, the gluten-free diet was not it was not the be-all end-all for you. It literally changed Steve's life. I mean, he went from being yeah. a, an emaciated, uh, anemic-looking man who had lousy fingernails and dull hair and difficulty with his teeth because they were all symptoms of malnutrition, and the gluten-free diet was mir- a miraculous change in him. And in your case, it just wasn't that simple, right? Correct. Yes, and I have something called refractory celiac disease, and technically that means that once you're on a gluten-free diet for six months to a year, and if the intestinal damage hasn't come to a certain point of remission or healing, they call that refractory, Mm -hmm. and you have to take immune suppressant steroids in order to help the villi in the stomach heal, and that's those villi are what's responsible for processing nutrients and absorbing nutrients. I I always liken it to a shag carpet. I said, imagine you've got the the shag that's standing up there, and if you're celiac and you're eating gluten, it's, it's basically pressing that carpeting down, right? Slicking. It's making it slick. So in, in real simple terms, most of what you eat just slides right through your body. So you're getting no nutrition from the food that you're eating mm-hmm. because the shag carpeting has been flattened down, right? 
Mm-hmm. I read a figure, um, we were talking about this off the air, somebody said, but I don't know anybody but Steve that has celiac disease. And I said, yeah, but I, I think the number is like one in a hundred. Is that the number you're hearing now, that one in a hundred people in this country actually do have the disease? Yes, that's the number. And it's not just in the U.S., it's a world number that mm-hmm. 1% of the world population has celiac disease. And the the number of people that go literally years before getting a diagnosis, I think the average is like four or five years before getting an actual diagnosis of the disease. Because for people out there that have IBS or Crohn's disease, those are typically the go-tos when you go to your doctor and you say, I've got these symptoms, I can't eat hardly anything. And, you know, you start rattling off your symptoms. And uh, is that something like you experienced too, Hayden? I mean, for me, it was a little backwards, honestly. And I think, you know, with Beyond Celiac as an ambassador, I we all do different projects. And I did a video project where I was got the privilege to interview several people with celiac disease from different parts of the world. And everyone's story is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And with me, I didn't have any intestinal symptoms that I was aware of before I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. But then after diagnosis, um, after being on the gluten-free diet, I started to have more symptoms come up, neurological as well as gastrointestinal. A listener texted and said, can you have it and not have any symptoms and just, you know, you've inherited it? And I would say that, that, yeah, you absolutely can have. There were times in, and I certainly want to hear your input, uh, Hayden, but there were times in my life when I really wasn't aware of any symptoms. And then there would be times, usually as I look back on it, following some degree of stress where, oh boy, did the symptoms just jump out. So I think stress really plays a role in this, too. Yeah, I think as a culture, maybe, too, or just the time in our lives, we normalize things that we're going through, like being a little nauseous after you eat every time. In our heads, we're going, oh, like, this is normal. Mm -hmm. We feel this way all the time. Other people are feeling this way. And then looking back, now having been diagnosed with celiac, you go, oh, like, I shouldn't feel nauseous every time I eat. I shouldn't feel bloated after every time I eat. But actually, because it's a genetic disease and you have to have one or two of the genes passed on to um, have celiac disease, my doctor and probably yours, too, recommended that any first-degree relatives get tested every three to five years for celiac. And I begged my my, um, siblings and my parents and the one one sister who um, had no symptoms at all came back and tested positive for it. So we're talking a little bit about celiac disease with Hayden Bishop, who is the ambassador of Beyond Celiac. Also, we should mention that there is an important day 
that's coming up this week, May 16th, uh, May 16th. (laughs) That would be Tuesday. And uh, your kids may come home from school and tell you that we talked about this thing called celiac disease in school today because there's an effort to educate through the schools. And uh, the uh, Celiac Disease Foundation has said that they are making themselves available and they're making data available and, and friendly information so the kids understand why other kids in their class might not be able to eat birthday cake and all the things that they eat when they go to parties. So it's International Celiac Awareness Day. And just before we bring uh, Hayden back in, for those of you who do not have celiac disease, just a couple thoughts. If you have a friend who has celiac disease, no, they cannot have just a little gluten. Understand that you're thinking, oh, the, you know, come on. You, you, I, I made this for I, I you. I made this. It's, yeah. it, trust me, they cannot have just a little. And for those of you who do have celiac disease, your friends, your real friends, should understand that you can't have just a little. If they don't understand that, then they're not your real friends. Well, that's telling them. (laughs) Well, yeah. I'm sorry, but that's the deal. Hayden Bishop is our guest, and Hayden is also, uh, like Steve, uh, a celiac and uh, an ambassador with Beyond Celiac. And and Hayden, the Beyond Celiac group... their effort is to educate and also offer support because that's really important too, isn't it? It is. It really is. I feel like one of the biggest things that we struggle with having celiac disease is isolation and exclusion from not just social activities, but business activities too. Really, any anything that requires food, which pretty much all of life yeah. <laughs> requires some of interaction with food. And when we talk about, um, and in fact, there are a couple of people that texted with questions like this. When we talk about not having symptoms, yet having the disease, uh, I'm going to kind of summarize the questions. What happens to you if you ignore the diagnosis? I mean, can you get really serious conditions? Can you get Absolutely. cancer, for example, if yes. you ignore it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, actually, when I was diagnosed, like I said, I didn't really have any symptoms. I had this rash that was on my elbows. And honestly, the only reason I was really concerned about it was because I was competing professionally in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and that's grappling. So I didn't want someone touching a rash that was contagious. Hmm. And after, within a year of my diagnosis, since my villi didn't heal on their own, the doctor told me I was potentially going to develop a fatal form of lymphoma cancer within five years oh. if I didn't get my celiac disease under control. Wow. And I, I'm going to jump in right here just to underscore what Hayden is talking about. For those of you who think, oh, it's just celiac disease is not that serious, it is serious. And also, for people who don't have celiac disease... And when they find out that that I, and I would assume, uh, Hayden, you've had the same experience, uh, when they find out that you've been diagnosed, uh, quite frequently people say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And my reaction is always, nothing to be sorry about. Now I know what the problem is. Now I know how to handle it. And I understand that, Hayden, it took you a, a while longer to find out how to completely handle it. But 
the diagnosis is not a bad thing. The diagnosis is a very good thing that gives us more information. I agree. It's definitely a helpful tool. I think that beyond celiac, one of their main missions right now, or I would say their main mission, is to find a cure. And I believe they said by 2030 they want to find treatments and a cure because it is great to have the diagnosis. And for the, you know, approximately 50% of people who have celiac disease and the gluten-free diet is enough to stay in remission and feel healthy at the same time without symptoms, that's great. But then there's a whole other 50% of people, like myself included, who experience symptoms daily, weekly, you know, quite often, and we really need pharmaceutical um, treatments to be able to live, really just live life. Mm-hmm. And Hayden, have you found the same thing that, that we found, speaking of pharmaceutical treatments, you need to be careful when you are prescribed something, make sure that pill doesn't have a gluten coating on it. Absolutely. That happened to me once. I um, I had to have hip surgery three years into having celiac, and they gave me something. They said they give it to everyone. It was for inflammation. Mm-hmm. And it caused my DH to flare up, and that's how I knew it had gluten. And actually, um, NSAIDs, like um, Advil, um, Aleve, they, they mm-hmm. can sometimes cause problems for people with celiac. Mm-hmm. And, and be sure you know, to tell your pharmacist, because along with any allergies that you have, they will put that on your record and question, ask them, can you, if you don't know, can you find out from the manufacturer? Because one little pill, as you've said, Hayden, one crumb can make you sick. One little pill can certainly make you sick. And you could be trying to make yourself better with another problem. <laughs> and it's like a big yeah. vicious circle. Well, it is important to talk about it because, um, as we said at the outset, there is a trend to go gluten-free. Our frustration, and I wonder how you feel about this, Hayden, when you go into a restaurant and you say that, you know, the restaurant says, yes, we can accommodate your gluten-free diet, we feel it's important to say that's for medical reasons because it is a trend, it is a fad, it's quite possible that they would be a little sloppier back in the kitchen, even though it looks gluten-free. Maybe there would be some cross-contamination. Do you go that far as to say that it's for medical reasons that I have to be gluten-free? Absolutely. I go, I mean, I go really extreme, honestly. I live in Los Angeles, and there's a lot of, you know, restaurants here that cater to different diets and things. And even here, I have a handful, a small handful of places I trust, and they have been extensively researched. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it's really complicated to explain what celiac disease and what gluten is when going to eat somewhere. I always address it as a food allergy because, sadly, that's the quickest way for someone to actually take you seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you ever come to Chicago, Hayden, you have to let us know, (laughs) and we will take you to one of the best Italian restaurants on the planet. It's called the Luciano's. It's just uh, not too far from Chicago's O'Hare Airport. And, long story short, the family has seven children. Four of them have celiac disease. They went so far as to put up two separate kitchens 
with two separate ventilating systems so there is no chance of cross-contamination in their gluten-free food. And we've actually been there when children have come in and, and started crying because they were so happy that they could actually eat comfortably or, quote, normally, which is something that you don't really consider the impact that this has on a child when they've been diagnosed. Well, keep doing yeah, your good... Go I would go as far to say the word is safely. It's to be able to eat safely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Such yes. is really the thing. I mean, trust me, I get emotional about it all the time. <laughs> Yes, I understand. We're right there with you. Well, folks can find out more information at Beyond Celiac. Uh, I follow you guys on Facebook. It's a great site. It's a very active site. By the way, that's beyondceliac.org. Org, .org, yes. And um, thank you so much, Hayden, for joining us tonight. Good luck, and we'll stay in touch with you. And uh, we're going to also share some information. We're getting people who are telling us about some places that we were unaware of in the Chicago area and how exciting that these places people have decided that this is something that they can address, maybe for personal reasons mm-hmm. or they just realize there's a need. So good luck to you, Hayden, and thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. Good night. More coming up on WGN. I keep waiting for someone to take this arrangement Now, this is my sweet lord, George Harrison. I keep waiting for someone to take this arrangement and do He's So Fine. Oh, yeah. Because obviously this was the subconscious plagiarism that uh, George Harrison did for the Chiffon. And the courts agreed. Yeah. Right? Unlike the Ed Sheeran So why not just take that arrangement and and do it Embrace it, right? Embrace it. Uh, some texts coming in uh, to 312-981-7200. Uh, for example, Stacy from Algonquin apparently tuned in a little late, and we were talking about celiac disease, and says quite simply, again, what is it? An autoimmune disease, a very serious autoimmune condition. It is genetic. Where the patient reacts to gluten, which is found in... Wheat, rye, barley, oats, and... Depending on the severity of your condition, and in my case, it's not just an allergy, it's an absolute intolerance, wheat is found in shaving cream, in, in hair shampoo. So depending on the it's severity everywhere. of your condition, yes. you read all the ingredients and you'd be amazed how many different products... One of the first ingredients is wheat. It's used as a stabilizer. And a thickener. So if you eat low-fat sour cream, you might find that it is not gluten-free because to make it palatable, make it yummy, you've got to have something that makes it thick. Mm-hmm. So you've got to eat the real thing so that you don't end up, you know, getting sick from right. something like sour cream or, or cottage cheese. Again, you wouldn't expect that, but I could not believe I read the figure that 80% of the products that you find on this grocery store shelves have gluten. Yeah. You've got your beer. Yes, there's gluten-free mm-hmm. beer. If you're a beer drinker, you, you don't want to drink just any beer because malt is derived from barley, and barley is one of the grains that ravages your intestines, and when your intestines are ravaged, everything you eat, to answer another listener who said, do you mean it just you just poop all the time? Yeah, well, again, it, when I was diagnosed, I was losing 12 pounds a week. Because everything Think just, about that. It's just slipping right through your body. Yeah. And that's all your nutrients. That's all the things that give you good nails and strong teeth and, and, and good complexion and shiny hair. And all of those things result from being 
having a nutritious diet. Well, if you're if you're dying of malnutrition, you're not going to have any of those things going for you. Let me also suggest that if you want to get a little more information, and we need to update this, and we will, but go to our blog. That's Steve and Johnny, S-T-E-V-E-A-N-D-J-O-H-N-N-I-E dot WordPress dot com. When you get there, over on the right-hand side, you will see an index. Scroll down through that index and click on, I believe it says, uh, gluten-free cooking or Mm gluten-free information, something like that. Click on there, and there are a whole series of blog posts that we did about how to get diagnosed, about things we have learned, about restaurants. And we, that's what we need to update uh, right. because some of the restaurants are no longer in business. There are some new restaurants that have been added. It is, if you are diagnosed with celiac disease in 2023, it is so much easier to find places to eat, to find foods, so much easier than it was when I was, was oh, gosh, diagnosed yeah. 23 years ago. Yeah. Now, we don't go out to eat a lot because it can be... Um, <laughs> challenging. It, challenging is a good word for it. Sometimes it's as simple as, if you don't feel comfortable, a baked potato. Don't cut it. Just bring me a potato. But let me give a shout-out, uh, again, f- for people who, who may not know... Uh, we're on WGN Radio in Chicago, but we're coming to you tonight from the studios of WKGC-FM, high atop the Charles Hilton Center for Advanced Technology and Hospitality <laughs> Management, Gulf Coast State College in Panama City, Florida. I mention that because I want to give a shout-out to a new restaurant that we found in Panama City Beach. Yes. And it's it, a chain. It was, it's a chain. It's, it's called Rudy's. Rudy's Barbecue. And go into Rudy's. Tell them that you have celiac disease. Or just tell them you, you have to you be gluten-free. You have to free. be gluten-free. But if you look at their menu online, you'll be blown away by the ribs and the, the pork loin and yeah. the pork chops and the, the pulled pork and the barbecue chicken and the turkey. It's in just, fact, for any of our listeners uh, in Chicago, uh, 312-981-7200, you can uh, call us or text us. Is there Rudy's in the Chicago area? If there is, boy, I'm going to go there. I know, and it's so good too. Yeah. And you buy you buy the meat by the pound, so mm-hmm. you could say, "I just need a quarter pound of pulled pork," and you get that. And you say, "I don't want it on any bread." And they've got gloves on, and mm-hmm. they're they're yeah. I was really really impressed with them. And I want to uh, give a shout out to uh, Uncle Vince, who's listening right now from Glen Ellen. He wanted to let us know that his nephew from Schaumburg has started his own gluten free company called My Bread. He's making pita bread and pretzel bites, as well as other items. And he's making them in a completely gluten-free environment, so there's no chance of cross-contamination. And We're heading back to Chicago yeah. Tuesday. We're going to check it out. I told Vince, I said, uh, he, he said um, that young Dan is already in bed being a baker. He goes to bed at 8.30. I said, we'll get in touch with him. We'll come out and visit his place because he assures me, he said, everything is safe. No cross-contamination there. So that's my – he gave me a website here, too um, – I believe it's my mybreadbakery.com. So thank you very much for telling us about that, Vince. Coming up, we're going to segue and tell you all about sports collectibles. Yes. Joining us in studio is uh, a man that uh, we've known for several years. He wears many hats. Uh, his name is Aaron Bearden. Among the hats he wears, he is the owner of Instant Replay Sports Cards in Panama City. 
And what was the figure you just came up with earlier? Uh, sports car. We, yes. As we were. This will come as no surprise to Aaron. <laughs> but here's the figure: the sports card market. Now, this is the global sports trading card market is valued at forty-four billion dollars, and is expected to approach one hundred billion dollars in twenty twenty-seven. That's the global sports trading card market. So. Can you float me alone, Aaron? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an almost sinister number, doesn't it? It's $100 billion. Billions and billions. Didn't they used to just be, you know, five cents for a pack for of pack, 10 cards yes. and a stick mm-hmm. of gum? Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're still collectible is what we're saying, right? Highly, highly, highly particularly collect- since uh, the pandemic. Really? A, a lot of people were at home and, you know, they're were, they were getting some money or what they couldn't go out. And so... Online, they were buying and selling people who had never done it before. And they huh. were getting money from, you know, the Bitcoin or various things like that and mm-hmm. putting them into to cards. Wow. And prices were just going crazy for a while. Just It was really, you didn't know from one day to the next if you had something worth a dollar or $150 or, you know, mm-hmm. $5,000. Okay, let me ask you about the, the pandemic impact on this. You, you've been doing this for a while. What impact did the pandemic have, not only in terms of people buying more, but were there different players, different sports that suddenly started showing up in higher volumes because of the pandemic people coming into this? To some extent, yeah. It's the whole, you know, the rising tide lifting all the boats. So traditionally in sports cards, baseball is the dominant. Uh, It's the leader. Uh, as baseball goes, so everything else follows. And then football, basketball, and hockey, um, certainly. But there are other things that get hot when this market comes around. And it's very, very much a cycle. It was big in the late 80s and early 90s and crashed. It got big again in the late 90s with the big home run steroid you know, race and all that. And uh, then crashed when all the truth came out about that. Um, and it's gotten big again. So a lot of other sports... Um, some of the racing, the motorsports, and uh, you know, soccer, and some of the things that they weren't necessarily doing cards for every year, suddenly were hot as well. There uh, are racing cards. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, well, there are cards for just about everything. Now, uh, do, the, do the racing cards? Do they focus on the drivers or the cars or both? Both. Both. So there's a trend now with cards, and I brought a few to you know we could talk about. But uh, so one of the big things now, cards. The reason it got to this hundred billion dollar market is they move beyond just being a picture of a player. There are cards you can open a pack now and find a card that is already autographed by a particular player. Really? Or they'll take and cut up a bat, a helmet, a jersey, a football, a cleat, whatever, and put that into the card. What? So you get a card with a piece of a bat and it really? can be uh it can be shohei otani it can be ty cobb i mean it's it there's no limit to what they do so the racing cards they'll actually cut up like the tires no the the parts <laughs> of the car and put that into what? the car mm-hmm. how have we missed all this when you pick up a pack, though, wouldn't you know that there's a goodie in there? Not necessarily. I mean, at first, when they started doing this in the 90s, it was very noticeable. And apparently nobody at the card companies thought that, <laughs> hey, we should 
So now instead of you saying... you got ten-year-old boys squeezing them, going, "What is this?" No, worse than that is you've got forty-five-year-old men doing that in the aisles at Walmart and Target, <laughs> uh, going in there literally with postal scales and, with po- and really yes, and to, and robbing you know these kids of or weighing the them of, to see yes. if there's oh my no. god. But so some of them they take out instead of saying there's fifteen cards plus this one super thick one. There's you know four cards in the thick one, so it's the right thickness. But okay. it's still, you're going to have people that, literally, you have people with, like, metal detectors going through them because no. there, there are certain cards that they actually embed, like, gold and silver into. There are cards they put precious metal gems and, and diamonds and emeralds and things into. What? Mm-hmm. What Just is the, what's to the make oddest, the craziest, I went, I almost made up a word there, the, the craziest, oddest thing you've come across. The crazy oddest. Yeah, the, thank you. In a car. I'm just flabbergasted. To, to put into a car? What you've yeah. come across. You know, I, I, I don't off the top of my head. There are some weird ones. They make some mistakes from time to time. I was talking about one with a, a customer the other day. Uh, so where they put, they take the jersey. Sometimes you'll get just a plain white piece of jersey, and that's sort of the standard. What you really want, the really rare cards, will have, like, the team logo on it. What? Somebody told me the other day they got a Cubs card that's actually got the little, it's got the bear on it. You know, well, that piece of the jersey. Yeah. So you figure out of a jersey, you can get hundreds of little squares sure. of jersey, but there's one bear. You know, there's one, the letters on the back of the jersey on the name. So I have one. Somebody pulled it in my shop, and it was so weird. They didn't want it because they felt like it was a mistake. And I was like, it's so weird. I kind of want it. It's a Miami Dolphins card. And uh, the player, I, I'm going to draw a blank because I'm not a big football watcher. It's from several years ago. But uh, anyway, the letter on the card is from a jersey. It's an R. He's on the Miami Dolphins. His name does not have an R in it. I think maybe it's Kalen Ballage. I don't, he has no R. I don't know where it came from. It's not his jersey. It's somebody else's jersey that they've wow. put in. So they do some weird ones. There was a big story a few months ago. Um, one of the major products... The draw was they had cut a Babe Ruth signature out of like a letter or a document that was mm. damaged and put, you know, you could open it up and, hey, I've got <gasps> Babe Ruth signature. Um, they mixed up the Babe Ruth signature with a George Brett signature. Oh. So the one fellow opens a card up, there's a picture of George Brett with Babe Ruth's signature. Someone else opens a card up, it's a picture of Babe Ruth with George Brett's signature. You can kind of figure the value on those. So, uh, so it, becomes, it becomes more valuable if you've got somebody's signature that wasn't the advertised signature? Well, in that case, they went back. The company printed a a card for the fellow who's supposed to get a Babe Ruth and instead got George Brett. No disrespect to George Brett, but, I mean, his signature is, you know, very, very affordable. The Babe Ruth's a five-figure, you know, $20,000, $30,000 signature. Wow. So they went back their own expense and corrected. It was really terrible PR for them when it happened but uh this is all a learning experience for us kids so we said we're going to be doing a series of collectible shows i'm so excited to do this because there's a lingo that i am unfamiliar with we're going to learn about it tonight but before we take a break a quick blatant plug if people want to uh check out your website what is it it's instantreplaysportscards.com InstantReplaySportsCards.com, accessible from anywhere on planet Earth and beyond. <laughs> and more with Aaron coming up. Stay with us at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio. We're talking about uh, sports card collectibles. Aaron Bearden, uh, owner of Instant Replay Sports Cards. And again, the website is Aaron? InstantReplaySportsCards.com. You just took a picture of me holding a card. It's in a, a cool case, 
plastic around that. You said you just got this back. Is this yes. the one you just got back? Just came in today. And then you casually said to me, "It's worth how much?" Uh, probably about twenty thousand dollars, thereabout. Twenty thousand. That's a two with a bunch of zeros it, behind because? it. Because it's signed by Ken Griffey and Mickey Mantle. The same card as Ken Griffey and Mickey Mantle. And uh, now let, uh, let me pause and say. What hoops did you have to jump through to verify the card and their signatures? Well, that is part of the sending it off to a grading company and having them authenticate and verify that, yes, we have experts that have looked at, you know, tens of thousands of versions of signatures of these guys, and this meets the criteria that we will put it in this slab. It is sonically sealed because you can't seal it with heat or anything to damage the card. Uh, it's UV coated. It's waterproof. It's airtight. So if it stays in there, it's good. Oh my! And this gosh. is this is the big thing when we talk about like the the card industry being so big. These graded cards. That's what people want to buy when you're buying something online from somebody you've never met across the country, mm-hmm. and you're gonna you know send them a, a bunch of money digitally. You want to know that somebody with a reputation has looked at it and said, "Hey, you're getting what you're paying for." Right. 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 Similar to comic book collecting too. Exactly. You get something that's graded. Exactly. And that it's legit i i am just blown away that i'm holding a card that <laughs> is rated at like twenty thousand dollars and and they're cute but <laughs> they're not that cute <laughs> wow now some of the other ones that you held up there you have a really old one yes uh, quite a few and like i said I what's the black and white one that you held up the that one, yes. Yes, so that's a 1939 Playball Joe DiMaggio. That's his rookie card. And that's right a legitimate there. card. They were that small. Yes. Yeah, they, in fact, there's a 1933 Lou Gehrig wow. beside it. Uh, and I just imagine all those boys that put those cards in their ba- their bicycles. Absolutely. So that they could hear that... that <laughs> Absolutely, slap, slap, slap sound. I don't know how pre-internet every kid in North America figured out to do that, but we yep. hear that weekly. People really? coming tourists from all over, and they're like, "When I was a kid, you're not going to believe this, but we mm-hmm. would put them in the spokes." For us. Yes, all children did that for like 50 years. Yep. No, all boys so, did all that. Boys. <laughs> now, so, uh, you mentioned a uh, rookie card, with notable exceptions. Rookie cards are more valuable for some players? Yes. In general, as far as if you want to collection long-term value, rookie cards are going to be the highest value card. Like I say, in general, there will be some exceptions as far as your autographed cards and all. But if a player does well, the value is going to be first. The rookie card goes up, and then the others... In part because of the player, and in part because as a rookie, fewer cards were initially printed? and some it is sometimes that uh although nowadays the card companies are pretty savvy about these mm-hmm. guys the moment they get on somebody's radar you know it used to be a player could sneak through um, Mickey Mantle made it all the way until he was signed by the Yankees nobody no other team knew who he was uh, the Yankee scout was very good at concealing this prospect uh, mm-hmm. from all the other scouts he talked to Nowadays, with you know, these kids have highlights on YouTube when they're 12 years old. Right. So there's no more real concealing that. So the moment they get signed, an international in baseball prospects can get signed internationally. I think it's 16 years old now. There's a, you know not a lot of room from the time they start making their card till you can like jump in there and, and get this guy before somebody hears yeah. of him. What you kind of have to hope for people that go we say prospecting with these guys, they're putting people back that maybe weren't at their peak at 16 or 17. That they hope once they get a little bit later into the career, suddenly it kicks in for them. 
I'm going to throw a curveball at you. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, no pun. There is a book that Johnny and I are reading. We just discovered this. Mm-hmm. We were watching Antiques Roadshow. And they, was it Antiques Roadshow, mm-hmm. I think? Yeah. And uh, they had this card and ultimately a story, and we got the book. I want to say the guy's name is Mook. Is is that it? He's he, the, he the was spy. a baseball player back in the Second World War, uh, yes. and he went on this tour over in Japan. Japan. He wasn't the best player, but he was in fact a spy for the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. So, would a card with him would that be valuable or not? Possibly, as long as the story is well known. Mm-hmm. There are some valuable cards of players who weren't maybe Hall of Fame level, but there's some bit of notoriety about them, or you know, a, a particular card. Um, you know, if you come to mind, the 1989 Fleer Billy Ripken card. Uh, he's standing there posing, you know, like a million other cards, and there's an obscenity written on the end of his bat no. that they <laughs> probably didn't know was there. He's, he says they knew it, and they enhanced it to make him look worse. Uh, and then they made a bunch of different versions trying to fix it and correct it. It was a, a big outrage at the time. Kmart threatened to pull all the baseball cards off the shelves that year if they didn't fix it. And So now there are certain versions of that card that are worth quite a bit. And it's a card that kind of every card collector knows about. About, and mm-hmm. most of them want one in their collection just to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of, no matter who else you collect, they're like, I want to have a Billy Ripken error card. So, kind of the uh, the sports card equivalent of the Beatles Butcher Block cover? Yes, yes, very much so. I, I have one of those, and I, I don't own a lot of vinyl. I do have a Butcher cover by the Beatles, because wow. you got to have one. It's, yeah. <laughs> okay, I got to add, what's the value of that? Ooh, I you know lately I don't know I bought it a couple of years ago and got a really good deal I think and um, I just I put it in a frame and have not touched it. And since. for people who don't know, this was the uh, the the cover where it had the the Beatles dressed up as doctors and they were holding baby dolls. The, the baby dolls and they redid which album was that? That it was, was yesterday re- and today. Okay, and then they redid it. Capital re. They put a new cover over that, and yes. if you can find one of those, yes, and underneath is the original cover. They sent then you out, got something. Yes, they sent out a, a white, uh, a slick, with a new cover, and Paul is sitting in a trunk that's turned sideways. The other three mm-hmm. are standing there, and uh, they paste it over until they could get completely new run printed with just that cover. So yes, there are people who say there's a spot you can look for behind Ringo's collar or something <laughs> and you might see a little bit of something. I, I don't know. But yeah, it's it's one of those records that you know people know about. It's, it's the Billy Ripken of Beatle Records. <laughs> we are talking with Aaron Bearden now. If you have sports cards and you are curious about maybe it's just one or two cards that you still have left over from your collection, uh, Aaron is kind enough to say that he would answer your questions if you want to drop them a line at his website instantreplaysportscards.com if you happen to be in town you need to stop by his store it's at 752 west 23rd street open seven days a week right and that's it in is. panama city florida that's so for people who are thinking in chicago i'm going to <laughs> no, you need to drive no. about a thousand miles south right to 752 west 23rd Street in Panama City, Florida. We'll come back with Aaron Bearden, and I think he'll put on one of his other hats in the next half hour here on WGN. 
What a frustrating year to be a Sox fan. Anyhow, we're talking uh, sports card collectibles. Aaron Bearden, the owner of Instant Replay Sports Cards, is in the studio with us. And again, uh, the blatant plug light has gone on, Aaron. The uh, website is instantreplaysportscards.com. Now, when people go to the Facebook page, you will see some posts because you guys are incredibly active, but you're using terms I'm unfamiliar with. For example, this afternoon, eight hours ago, we've been breaking since noon and we're looking to keep it going. We've added some breaks on our website. What does all that mean? Okay, so breaks are a very popular thing in cards right now because of, like I mentioned before, all the autographed cards, the low serial number cards. Uh, the card companies pay a lot now to manufacture the cards to get those players to sign and all that. So boxes of cards are very expensive because you may open one up and find a $20,000 card or, or even more than that. So instead of being five-cent packs, now some of these things are hundreds of dollars for a pack. So a lot of collectors don't just you know, walk in the store and buy one on their own. They do what they call breaks. They get a group of people together and buy in, and they may buy the certain the team they want. Or you know, there's a lot of different ways. There's millions of different ways to do it. You can go by you know last uh, last name, the letter of the last name. You know, <laughs> or there's so many ways to do it. Uh, so we we do group breaks in our shop and online a couple of times a week. And uh, so we were doing those today on Saturday. We have people come in and they'll get like say eight people buy into a football box and they each get one random division. So they get all the NFC South cards, all the AFC West cards. And we may pull an autograph or something worth, you know, hundreds of dollars or something, and they get it for their buy-in price. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. And then so, I learned, yeah, talking to you earlier this week about what's up, right? Uh, or, what not. Or is it what, what not. not. <laughs> what's yes. up? See? <laughs> I've got the app on my phone after mm-hmm. you told me about it. And that's that's a buy-and-sell site? It, it is. It's uh, it's an online auction, very short term auctions we're talking 20 30 seconds a minute oh so you're not waiting and waiting for the sniper to jump in there and grab the thing that you're yeah and it's all on on video so there are people that sell clothes and sneakers and you know toys and things like that on there but it's very big for the card collecting community because they can get in like we said they can we can list all 30 teams or 32 teams in the nfl whatever and people just buy them on a 20 second auction and when all the teams are sold right there on video we open the box up and they see what card they get and we ship them out to without them the even next day. touching them they're wow absolutely do you have many women so, that come into the store to do this we do do you actually yes it's it's gotten very we have a lot of women that collect wow. and johnny is asking that question uh, kind of in the spirit of the big bang theory when years ago when johnny walked into a comic store with me it and got it, quiet. It, it was like Penny from the Big Bang Theory walking into a comic store. I laughed so hard. There, there's a girl in here. Remember what I said to the guy at the, at the counter? I said, oh, you know, if I was 16, I'd know where to come and hang out. And he said, no, no, said, no, no, no. He no. just kept saying no. I'm no. like, oh, 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 I think I misunderstood <laughs> the, the purpose of all this. It's not a meet and greet. It was really funny. But I'm excited we, that women are equally oh, interested in this. There are a lot of women doing the breaks on whatnot. Um, I have a lot of customers, you know, women that come in that are very knowledgeable about their cards and their sports. And That's cool. Yeah, they had uh, a couple of ladies in the other day educating me on some products I had never even heard of that they were asking about that they were collecting. So, yeah. it's, it's Now, Steve put up a picture of me holding the $20,000 card. Yes, go to our Facebook.com. 
Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny show. But that's not the most expensive card you brought with you tonight because we have guards outside, by the way. So don't get any funny (laughs) ideas. Uh, The card that you brought that's more expensive is a Patrick Mahone's card because? Yes. Well, it's serial numbered, which is one of the big things. Now, cards in the 90s lost all their value because they just printed them basically as long as the printer had ink and paper. Now the the trend is to go the other way and to serial number them so you know that you have a scarce card. You don't have to worry that you and three million other people have the same card. You can look at it and go, oh, it's numbered on there. There's only 20 of this card in the whole world and Uh I've got number 14 of 20 or, you know, I've got number three of five. So the lower the number the more valuable the card, the more people want it. And they're just not so. a lot of the Patrick Mahomes cards? The one I brought, it's number to 10. It was his rookie year. Uh, it's his college uh, number, and it's autographed and graded. And yeah. Wow. So probably so. 25000 I could well be if hey, if he wins another Super Bowl. Well, you know, that's true. I mean, who knows? That would make a difference. There, too. there was a point where that card was you know maybe twenty bucks or something when it first came out, <laughs> and uh, nobody yet really knew what he was capable wow. of. Uh, th- so, along with me, Aaron is also a comic book geek, and uh, you brought. Uh, tell me about the the one you were just showing me during the break. The one with Captain oh, America? Yes. The, uh, it's a 1945 Captain America and the Human Torch and Bucky and all those that everybody knows now as MCU movie characters. You're right. But, uh, yeah, it's something I bought for my own collection. A, a few years ago, I got into buying comics because um, I've, I've done cards so long. I kind of wanted something new and fresh to learn about, so I got into to comics. It really started as my dad was a comic collector when he was a kid, and I would always, we'd do these card shows, and there'd be comic people there, and he's always pointing out these cool old comics, and, mm-hmm. oh, I had that Daredevil number one, and I had Fantastic Four number 12, the first time the thing fights the Hulk, I had that, and so I was like, man, I want all these comics, but I didn't, you know, I was reading comics, new ones, yeah. but I couldn't afford all those, so I, a few years ago, I was like, you know what, I want to start with, like, Amazing Spider-Man. And uh, I, I started at about issue 50 and tried to work my way back. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, there's going to come a point where they're going to get out of reach. And at about issue number two, I was like, that's as far back as I'll ever go. <gasps> and then finally I found it. I just stumbled upon a really good deal on a Spider-Man number one. So that's sort of the So you have the whole the run one. now? I, well, no, not the whole run. I, I didn't try to go beyond. Oh. Beyond that, I just picked up key issues, the first right. Punisher yeah. and, you know, some of those things. Those are um, key issues. Yeah. But, yeah, I've, I've tried to go back and get, like, all of the original, uh, you know, Steve Ditko Era, yeah. The first 38, yep. and you know, get them all graded. And so you knew so. what you were looking for. You were already I, I educated did. to know that you. Uh, but this did. select comic, and hold this up. I'm going to take a picture and uh, and show people what we're uh, talking uh, about. Uh. This was. Uh, I don't want to make sure I can. And it's encased get it without a, in that cool plexiglass. Okay, this was pre-Marvel. Yes. This was what timely, timely. comics. Timely comics. Yes, uh, pre. Pre Kirby, this is an Alex Schomburg cover. So, have you so. ever taken it out of that case to to touch it? No, it was graded when it I was. purchased it. Oh, okay. And so that's the thing we talked about, like with grading. I don't know comic book conditions very well. Uh, I'm always surprised. I'm asking friends of mine who do know them, like, hey, mm-hmm. what would this comic get if it were graded? Cards, I know. Cards, I've done grading for 25 years. Comic books are a whole other animal. They can be written on, and they can have mm-hmm. a date stamped on. They can yeah. have all these things that cards cannot have. Uh, so I, I buy them graded so I know I'm getting something safe. Because I've seen horror stories of people buying an expensive comic and finding out it's a fake cover with a different issue inside yeah. and things. Oh, wow. I, I don't want to go down that road. Wow. I just realized. 
realized next time we have Aaron in studio, we're going to have to allow about uh, two hours because mm-hmm. there's so many <laughs> hats yes. he wears. Yes. Uh, but we have to take a break now. But when we come back, we're going to ask him to put on a different hat. So mm-hmm. stay with us and find out what that hat is on WGN. That great sunrise is an example of one of the other hats that our guest Aaron Bearden wears, along with being a, uh, an expert on sports card collectibles. He's an incredible musician, and that's really how we first met Aaron yeah. years and years ago at a, uh, a special evening we did with Michael Lister. It was music. Uh, murder. Murder and, <laughs> and books and stuff, and that was really how we first met. I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good song. It's been a minute. Yeah, I think uh was that a night you were doing something with Dave Lloyd? Maybe? Yes. Yeah. 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 But uh so. Well Aaron's got his Taylor guitar in hand and uh, we're actually you can remain incognito to your customers because you're being heard in Chicago, <laughs> not in Panama City. Because right. they don't know that you're a musician, right? This is it's, his yeah, most identity. of them don't. Yeah. <laughs> I have you know, maybe two or three that know it and maybe yeah. I don't know, maybe one or two that have actually heard me. But And Aaron's a very active singer songwriter around here and you can get his music online at Aaron Bearden. Dot com, right? You're on it's, Spotify yes. and Reverb and every place. But I'm going to hush up and you go ahead and play whatever you'd like to play for us. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, I can do that. Because I, I think the Great Sunrise, I think I did it that night. I think I played it on yes. Dave's guitar. I'd probably just written it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that's the first time I ever played it. <sighs> do you have a new CD coming out? I, I'm working on something right now, but it's really early, early going. So the record that was on, I recorded and I didn't really do anything with it. It came out at a really awful time during the pandemic, had a mm-hmm. lot of other things going on, and it got pushed to the back burner. Of course, so, you had also come out of Hurricane Michael, yes. and then the pandemic. Yeah. Yes. Just so, when you got on your feet again, right? Yeah. The, the, you know, And, hey, everybody had a, a rough time for a couple of years. I mean, I was no exception. But, uh, but yeah, just putting out a record and doing the, the publicity and the press and all of that was not my focus it was really more on wanting to record the thing i wrote it all played all the instruments and i wanted to do everything about it myself so Mm -hmm. i took the picture on the cover and you know did the layout Mm -hmm. all that stuff i just wanted to say hey whether you love it hate it whatever i did it Mm -hmm. um i did everything other than actually press the cds (laughs) uh so dark (laughs) yeah i know did it halfway slacker yeah but uh, so anyway, so I've, I've, since then I've sort of taken my time getting the record out there and getting it on to you know Apple and Spotify and all those things. Um, I think there's a video coming out uh, for that song Good. soon. It'll be on the the website and all that's AaronBearden dot com. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of having fun now, sort of rediscovering mm-hmm. a lot of that because after I put it out, I didn't listen to it for about a year. And uh, so now it's almost like it's new to me. But sure. yes, I'm, I'm working on a, something new. I'm hoping to have out first of the year. Um, I've, I've got a I got a theme in mind that I'm, that I'm working on. So. Well, do us a favor. You're coming to Chicago for the uh, what we call the Comic Con in yes. August. Yes. And what do we call it now? The uh, Fan Expo. Okay. Yeah, Fan Expo Chicago. Um, plan on spending a couple of hours with us. Yeah. And we'll talk Absolutely. about sports collectibles, but we'll also 
hear a little bit more. You'll of your do music. all of the above. Yeah, there we go. And yeah, you don't we'll... even have to bring a guitar because I know someone who yeah, has a guitar. I, I, I would hope. I think we have guitars we can supply. <laughs> yes. I, I've heard Chicago is kind of a music-based town. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. <laughs> so again, blatant plug before we let you get out of here. Uh, your personal website, AaronBearden.com. Yes. And if people want to find out more about the uh, sports card collectibles, go to InstantReplaySportsCards.com. Aaron, this has been so much fun, Thank and it you. went by Thank way you. too fast. You have to come back. It will do. Anytime. Thank, Thank you. you. Stay with us. More coming up. We're going to try and solve some computer problems yep. with our computery guy. Signing in is the Director of Educational Technology at Keck School of Medicine of USC. And uh, his name would be Patrick Crispin. Hey, Patrick. Woohoo! How are you guys doing? Good, thank you. And Patrick, of course, was with us for decades. He grew up with us on the radio as a part of our website Wednesday Night Cyber Crew. And wow, do we have a lot of things to talk about tonight. Patrick, can I start with, um, because I'm curious, we haven't had a chance to talk off the air. Uh, Apparently, Google announced a couple of days ago, that they're going to launch a new Google search that's going to be AI-generated, and it's coming to the United States as an experiment, and and some people have been chosen to to be a part of that experiment. Is there any chance that you were one of those people? Not yet, uh, no. But I've been watching this from the sidelines, and it's interesting. There have been so many different companies who have decided okay, we're going to try AI and put it in. We all know what happened last November when OpenAI came up and announced that they were doing ChatGPT, and it just took off. And then everybody has been trying to build AI into their platforms recently. Microsoft is a very big investor in um, OpenAI. They've released BARD, B-A-R-D, which is... it's oh, sorry, Bing Search, B-I-N-G. Um, it's it's uh, Microsoft Bing, and it's been really cool. Google's trying to catch up. They're doing something. They're, they're they're going okay. We've got to catch up. And what they did was they announced that they're going to start building out an AI search. Um, and I'm Patrick, wondering I if get, it's too little, too late. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, I have to wonder, and obviously, you know a whole lot more about this than I do. But my initial reaction was, okay, Google search works. Why do you want AI, artificial intelligence, that may or may not give you the kind of hopefully correct and factual results that we, for the most part, are able to get from Google? Google, yeah. So what's the upside of this other than saying, oh, we've got an AI search engine, too? (laughs) Well... Steve, I'll give you the honest answer. Google doesn't work. It hasn't worked in a long time. (laughs) And I mean that. I I, I love Google. I cut my teeth on Google back when they were still at Stanford. I love Google. In fact, I remember the first night you told us there is a new word you're going to learn and you're going to wind up using it, and it's called Google. And we said, what? We laughed. What the heck? What's a Google? They've misspelled it. Uh, so here's the thing is, so many companies out there are involved in something called search engine optimization, where they're able to game the hits that you go and, and search Google for something, and it ends up taking not really where you want to go, but rather 
to some website that was created by some advertiser who's trying to sell you something. Uh, And it's really gotten to the point now where when I'm trying to search Google for a lot of things, I'm not finding very good results anymore. I'm finding Mm -hmm. lots and lots of ads. A lot of people who know a lot about the Internet have really stopped using Google for search, and they're now doing it at Reddit. Um, So what's happening is... How is artificial intelligence going to make this better? Well, what it does is it bypasses all of the scummy advertising out there and gives you just one canonical answer for what you're truly looking for, where it's trying to piece together information out on the Internet. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to be gamed, but it's much more hopefully neutral than somebody who's trying to tell you that, oh, well, you need to go and get a a Hudson Hawk. That's the best car that you can buy today is a Hudson Hawk or a Hudson Hornet. Um, you need to go buy a Hudson Hornet. It's the best car. And it's like, it hasn't been the best car for a long time. And even when it was around, it wasn't the best car. Um, you know, it's like, come on. So this, this <laughs> so actually... It, 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 Google's broken. This ties in with what we talked about a month or so ago when, well, more than that, because it was my experience in trying to find hotel rooms in Pasadena. And I was almost sucked into paying hundreds of dollars more than I should have because I was misled when I Googled for the hotels in Pasadena to believe I was actually at a hotel site when it was a, a, a travel company that was up in the price and making it look legit. And that was some an advertiser example. paid extra money yes. so that when you search for Pasadena Hotel, you didn't find a hotel in Pasadena. You found the middleman so that they could charge you more money. That's yes. a perfect example of how Google's broken. It's just it just yeah. is, and, and, and that's I guess why you, I think the idea of this of an AI generated search is so promising. We still have to see how it works. And I guess to to restate my opinion about Google. Uh, in a more correct way. I understand everything you're saying about Google. I guess I have just used it enough that I know I'm bypassing these first few uh, things that are here because they're paid for. So I'm scrolling down near Mm. the bottom, and I'm going to begin my search and see where some of these things take me. So before we take a have to do that. Oh, exactly. Oh, agreed. But before we take a break, so the way we understand the Google's... uh, AI search engine would work is you will type in whatever your query is up in the little search bar and then artificial intelligence will generate answers for us and um, hopefully they'll be pure answers we won't be bogged down with nonsense but then if and if you want to see it in action right now go to bing b-i-n-g you can you can use bing today free and it shows you what the future could look like but, okay, I have another. We'll come back to my question about <laughs> is Google shooting itself in the foot after we take a break. So stay with us on WGN. We're talking computer stuff with Patrick Crispin, Director of Educational Technology, Keck School of Medicine of USC. And, uh, Patrick, I'm going to go back to, the, to showing how stupid I am about Google uh, by asking the question, okay, Google is doing AI. It's uh, they're going to be competing with uh, with uh, uh, some of the other AI people, but in doing this and thereby eliminating 
or cutting down on some of the paid-for search results, aren't they kind of shooting themselves in the foot because they're not going to be getting as many paid-for search results if people are going to be using more AI, which will eliminate some of those paid-for search results. It is. It's, it, just, it is disruptive. There's no question about that. The The issue right now is they've got to find something to, to, to go to, and I'm not sure how they're going to make money. Now, they're making money from schools and from companies who are paying for Google accounts for their users, uh, there is some Google cloud storage, some Google um, Google platforms that you could be using. But Google really does need to start thinking about, okay, where are we going next? If you think about it, if we go back to the old days when Apple first came out with the iPod, and we said, okay, this is the iPod is it is the be-all, end-all, and then Apple said, you know what? We're going to put out a product that's going to put the iPod out of business, and they created create the iPhone. Uh, the iPod was a fantastic device, and Apple said, nope, we're moving on, mm-hmm. and we're going to get something else. I think Google has had a wonderful run when it came to advertising. And Google is ultimately an advertising company. Mm-hmm. But what's next? And they're starting to, to be like a lot of other people who realize, okay, this business has been great for 20, 30 years. Now we need to start looking for what the next big thing is. That isn't going to. I'm not saying that Google's going to be completely out of the advertising business, but I do think that advertising supported media just isn't making the money it used to, and it's going to continue to decline in the profitability. So Google really is like Microsoft, like everybody else, saying, "Okay, what's next?" All right, so for next for Google will be BARD, B-A-R-D. So we're going to start yep. hearing more about BARD. Let us move BARD on. Is, it, you, can, you can use it now, actually. There right. was a sign-up where you have to be on a, a wait list, and at the I.O. conference this past week, uh, Google has said they are now releasing Google BARD to the entire world. Do we, do we have to actively go out and, and look for BARD and then put it on our computer? or? No, it's actually it's a website. Go to BARD, B-A-R-D, dot Google, dot com. And if, uh, if for those of you who remember the southern word of the day, BARD is the past tense of the infinitive to borrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> B-A-R-D. Uh, <laughs> I think my brother barred my pickup truck. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> That's what I thought you but, meant. BARD.google.com. Yep. <laughs> there is no wait list. You can go and use it today. You just do need to have a free Google, Google account. Everybody can get it. Yeah. And go and try it out. It's a really interesting sort of search engine slash AI tool. The big thing when you're dealing with Microsoft Bing, with Google BARD, with OpenAI Chat GPT, is you can't yet rely on this to be 100% accurate. Think of this as like a college student who might have graduated and has a lot of knowledge but doesn't really know how to do their job yet. So you kind of have to teach it what you're looking for. But Mm -hmm. as long as you see it as a partner that you're using and you take what it says with a grain of salt, you're going to find it really, really helpful. I know that I've used ChatGPT a lot. Um, at work just as an efficiency tool. 
if I'm going out and purchasing something and I need to write like a business justification, I now have ChatGPT write my uh, my business justifications for me because it's just it does a really good job. It just makes my life easier. If I use Bard, am I going to run into the same uh, following me problem? But I do, if I use Google as a search engine, which is why I use DuckDuckGo, is Bard going to follow you after you have looked at whatever you're looking at? It's not going to follow you like Google does, because Google, again, has hooks into everything. Uh, you can use Bard in DuckDuckGo. Uh, the folks... Uh, the, yeah, the, the issue that you're going to run into is that... You want to have a good ad block program on your computer that is kind of protecting you as you're doing these things. Anytime you're going to Microsoft Bing, anytime you're going to Google Bard, they're remembering that you've searched for things, and they might in the future try to give you advertisements. Um, but I think I, it, it's still so new. I don't think you have to worry about what you what you would have to worry about in the past. So I'm, I'm not as concerned as I was with you know just regular google searches but as long as you practice safe surf and use a good good you know blocking program and you know as you were talking about any any good new modern web browser that protects your privacy is going to be a good way to to kind of stay semi-anonymous as you go and search the internet Closing thought on the subject of bard Jason from DeKalb says that he signed on to use barb barda 3 weeks ago and he decided not to use it when it could not give him a chocolate chip cookie recipe. Now, I don't know if that's true, but he claims he asked for one and it could not give him one. So, uh, before that's we take why a, you could try Bing. <laughs> that's right. Or Reddit. Before we take a break for the news, you've mentioned exactly. a couple of times that you go to Reddit. How do you use Reddit to search for information? What I can do, there are two ways to do it, and there is the easiest way to do it is go to Reddit, and there's a search box up in the top. You can search for what you're looking for, and then you want to do is filter it down to, like, within the last year or within a certain group. Um, the poor man's way to do it is to go to Google, search for what you're looking for, and add Reddit to the end of it, <laughs> and it shows you all the faces from, oh. from, from Reddit. And the nice thing about Reddit is you know this is human-created. It's not some machine algorithm that's creating the page that you're seeing. Some, per- some person wrote that Reddit post or reply, and especially if I'm looking for opinions, I'm going to find better hits at Reddit than I am anywhere else. Well, it seems like, though, every time I've gone to Reddit for that very thing, to get some opinions... I feel like there's a group of people on Reddit that don't want us outsiders yeah. in there. So they get very short-tempered and very rude. And they're, you know, you, you've shown us your ignorance. And I'm like, really? I just ask a question. Yeah, there's a lot of flaming on Reddit. Yeah. And I, so, so then I back just away from there Reddit. And read. Just do a lurk. <laughs> <laughs> a lurk around. No, I had some legitimate questions around. to ask. I did actually. Um, Steve was had a question about uh, it was a new phone we were looking into. Yeah. So I thought, well, that would be a great place to go to find out people's feedback on phones. And of course, if your phone isn't the phone they're using, then they're going to oh, let yeah. you know it. You know. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm sticking with MySpace. My space. Oh, golly. Patrick, we have to take a break for news. And when we come back, let's talk about passwords and how passwords may become a thing of the past. 
And a couple of things from our listeners. Uh, they've already sent in questions and said, Patrick, can you address this tonight on the radio? So we'll try to do all of that coming up here on WGN. Steve King and Johnny Futman at WGN Radio. Caleb, do you want to repeat what you just said uh, about uh, people listening to us on Windows computers right now? When I heard that that the very first time, I was freaking out on my end because I was like, we haven't had a problem the entire show. We were going good. And then, wait, where did the error come from? I don't have a computer connected. What's going on? Yes, we're talking computers, and um, we got some good questions coming in tonight. Uh, Patrick is kind enough to join us twice a month so that we can talk about computers. And, uh, and Patrick would be Patrick Crispin, the Director of Educational Technology at Keck School of Medicine of USC. And Patrick, if people want to get uh, in touch with you, um, how do you suggest they do that? Uh, easiest way is through Twitter, surprisingly. I still use it. Uh, just uh, search for Crispin, C-R-I-S-P-E-N, at Twitter. And welcome to show number 19 for Steve and Johnny 2.0. And uh, one of the things that we have to talk about tonight, Patrick, is uh, pass keys. What are yes. pass keys and how do they tie in with the demise of passwords, which I hear people now going, yay, let's get rid of passwords. So what are pass keys? Well, let's start by talking about how do you identify that you're you when you're trying to get into something or someplace. And it really comes down to three different ways. It could be that something you know, it could be something you have, or it's something you are. Something you know is some sort of secret word, a shibboleth that you use to get in through the door. Something you have could be like an ID, or some sort of, you know, some sort of pin or something that you, that you have, some sort of uniform that you wear. And then something that you are could be like your fingerprint, or it could be your eye print, or it could be your voice print, or it could be your just face itself. So when we get into web pages right now, most security on the Internet is based on something you know. And we all know this already. You get in there, and the something you know is a series of letters and characters that you came up with to get into that particular website. The problem is, it's not terribly secure, and if somebody gets that secret word or phrase, they can pretend to be you and get into your system or to the website that you're trying to get into and spoof you. So it's not terribly secure. What we've seen recently was a switch through two-factor authentication. So it's not only do you have to have a password, but you have to have something else, something other, some other way for you to identify yourself. And a lot of it is just, I'm going to send a text message to a telephone number that you have on file. If you have the phone, that's something you have. You can verify. I'll, I'll just send you a six-digit code. So you, mm-hmm. I've got your password, and I, I'm, I think that's you, but you got to prove to me that you're you. Well, all this is going away. We're not quite there yet, but the way it's going to go is there is an idea called a pass key, and it is a special line of code that is set up whenever you go to a particular website or open up an application that is stored on your computer, and it's a cryptographic key, so you don't really need to know what it is. 
and the place that you're connecting to actually doesn't need to store anything. But if you try to connect to this website, it's going to sit there and say, oh, okay, instead of telling me a, a username and a password, show me the key that you and I set up. And your computer automatically sends it. And if you have your computer and you've been using pass keys, you can now get into particular websites and never have to use a username and password again. The other nice thing about it is that if somebody breaks into the remote site, they're not going to see your password because there's no password there. If somebody gets your passkey and tries to use it on another device, it's not going to work because it's device-specific. And it's just going to make your life so much easier and so much more secure. What's really cool about this is if you're thinking about, okay, well, I'm going to come up with a password or passkey policy, I want to make sure that the policy works. I want to make sure that Apple plays along. I want to make sure that Google plays along. I want to make sure that Microsoft plays along. I can't just have one company come up with a platform. Well, it turns out all three of the companies have agreed on this new standard, and it is absolutely coming. So if you've used your phone to basically get into your phone or open up your phone without you having to use a password, and it does like face ID or a fingerprint or something like that, that really is a pass key to get in the phone. Imagine extending that now further to get into particular websites. And the nice thing about it is we always tell you you should have a different password for every single website you go to. Right. Very few people do. Or if you do, you come up with some way that you can remember it, but it's easy for somebody else to hack it. Mm-hmm. So with this cryptographic key that's going to be stored on your computer, and every site's going to have its own little key, you don't have to know anything. It's just stored and taken care of it. So we're seeing a lot of companies starting to head in that direction. You don't need to be there yet. Just be aware, pass keys are coming. They're coming in the next couple of years, and you probably mm-hmm. should be ready for it. The nice thing is, is if you have a newer computer and you have a newer web browser, it'll be pretty simple for you to set this thing up. You can do it right now in Google. Um, and they have a, a, a way to do it in Google. I'm not sure I'd recommend doing it quite yet. This is something that you should be aware of. You don't need to jump into it yet. Hmm. Wouldn't this increase the importance of you having a secure identification code to get into your phone, for example? Yes. Because yes. if, if someone steals, steals your, your phone, phone and then goes to website your X, bank or then they'd have immediate access to it. Well, and that's that's the reason why with the phones, it's now getting away from you typing in either a four-digit code or a six-digit code or whatever, and is using biometrics where it's yeah. doing a face scan or something. So we're going to get away from the way we used to authenticate, which was give me this code that you know, to something that you are, which is show me your face or show Mm -hmm. me your thumbprint, prove to me that you are you. Hmm. That's an extra level of security. And as we go down this in in all future uh, digital roads, um, should the mindset pretty much be anything is and will continue to be in this digital world hackable what you want to do is make it as difficult as 
possible for it to be had. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and that's one of the things, one of the reasons why I really like the idea of passkeys is that what's stored on the remote site isn't necessarily your passkey. It's a key for your key. And even if somebody gets that passkey from the remote site, it's meaningless. They can't do anything with it because they don't have your device that's trying to connect to the site that's trying to get the information. So we've all heard stories, the nightmare stories, about how Target got hacked and everybody was downloading credit card information or downloading passwords. Well, we don't have to worry about that anymore because nothing's going to be stored there that's useful. That that makes me feel good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's good. I'm still a little leery about the whole idea if your phone got stolen or somebody breaks into your house and takes your, your laptop or, you <laughs> well, know, if we stick again, with the desktop. will not work unless you are physically there showing that you're you. So it's going to be some sort of biometric scan. Unless you have some sort of like, unless unless there's like a master password on your, on your device that's like password. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it, it you know, Think about where we are right now, which is anybody who has access to your password can get access to your account. Sure. Now we're getting into where somebody actually has to have physical access to your computer to be able to get into your account. I think it's a heck of a lot safer. Okay, that does sound good. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and come back with more computer talk, including whether or not you should move up to Windows 11 as we're talking about technology with Patrick Crispin here at WGN. Steve King and Johnny Putman at WGN Radio, and Caleb has driven to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's the gorillas off, uh, what is it, Plastic Beach? It's a vibe. Man of culture. Yeah, man. A man of culture. <laughs> a little producer bonding here. Yes. <laughs> that was a good choice. Patrick Christman joining us. We're talking about computers, and the subject of uh, Windows 11 has come up. Dave from Oak Park, Illinois, says, I know you've probably been asked this a number of times, but I must ask, is it okay to now switch to Windows 11? Yes, if. Here's a big if. Um, First of all, Windows 11 is perfectly fine. It, It is a very secure operating system. It is the future. Microsoft has announced that the end of life for Windows 10 is going to be October 14th, 2025. So, like it or not, you will have to leave Windows 10 in the next two and a half years. If your computer can handle it, in other words, if you've got a 64-bit processor, 4 gigs of RAM, I think it's like 64 gigs of storage, um, really, it's the time has come to, to upgrade. If you don't have that or you're just concerned... Just recognize that when you get your next computer, the next computer is probably not going to have Windows 10 on it. It's going to have Windows 11. Mm-hmm. Windows 11 is just a more more secure operating system. It's a little different than what you're used to, but you know, Microsoft has been changing Windows every time they release a new version. Um, I, so the answer to the question is: Should you upgrade it if you if your computer can handle it? If you got the the hardware, yeah, absolutely. If not, when you get your new computer, get Windows 11 on it. Okay. Well, we're in the market for a new laptop, so mm-hmm. we'll be looking at Windows 11. Right. And uh, and one of the other things we've done, uh, the last couple times we upgraded was we took our, because yes, we still have a desktop computer, <laughs> because we do a lot of stuff and we want to have the, the ability to, to have things uh, on our desktop, we took that computer 
to a local computer place and said, okay, upgrade this to the next version of Windows and keep all the stuff we've got here, but just make it so that it will function whatever with the next it takes yeah. yeah and also yeah. you went with a solid state hard drive at oh, the yeah. same solid time solid state hard drive absolutely yeah. if if, yeah. if you are still Didn't using it don't make sense <laughs> yeah they don't solid state and yes can solid state hard drives fail of course any hard drive can fail but are they much faster yeah yeah. Okay, I, I have to take you back to the subject of pass keys because there are people like myself who are a little bit <laughs> concerned about this transition. And 847 and 630 want to know if you have multiple devices or someone takes your device, what do you do? <laughs> well, fortunately, what will happen is your pass keys can be stored in a secure online enclave. So there's uh, Google Keep, which is, which stores all your pass keys in it. If you've got an iPhone, iPhone Keychain actually the the the, the Keychain that's built into your iCloud will actually store your key, your passphrases or your, your pass keys in a secure location. You then have to have the master master password to get that. So you can use us on multiple devices. You just have to know what the master password is for your Keychain. Now, is that the um, the thing that you sent us and said you we could be a part of your family with the pass? <laughs> well, keys? We, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm using one password, and uh, it's very similar to that. Where there's going to be a, a place that stores your passwords, or one password will eventually do it, where you can choose, uh, store your pass keys. But you're going to have some sort of master password. What I like about 1Password is you can actually set up two-factor authentication on that. So even if somebody has ah. your master password, they still have to have one more thing before they can get in and get that information. So you can keep your pass keys completely secure. And more importantly, you can use them on multiple devices. As I said, don't, don't be jumping to this yet. Just be aware <laughs> it's on its way in the next couple of years. Okay. Certainly by the time October 14th, 2025 runs around and Windows 10 dies, um, I think we're all going to be on pass keys, and we're we're going to look back on the way we used to log in and go, wow, that was silly. And if you've been with us over the years, you know that there have been a number of times over these years that Patrick has said, watch this space. This is going to happen. And, in fact, it did oh, yeah. happen. So <laughs> listen to him. Okay, before we run AI. out of time... <laughs> Yes, AI. A listener said, uh, is this legitimate, Patrick? I was forwarded a message, a messenger message on Facebook, and it read, if you're thinking of getting off Facebook because of the volume of sales ads and trash stuff, just hold your finger anywhere in this post and click mm. copy. Go to your page where it says, what's on your mind? Tap your finger anywhere in the blank field. Click paste, and this upgrades the system. Goodbye, annoying ads, and hello, new and old friends. So I wish. I really, really <laughs> wish that was true. Um, this is what's called copy pasta, which is you know, something that causes you to do an email chain where you copy and paste something. And it, it, the problem is, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not the way that Facebook's advertisements work. That's not the way their end-user licensing agreement works. A lot of of the stuff that's being sent around today, if you did this in Facebook or you can post this message in Facebook, 
kind of thinks that the way Facebook works is like magic, and all you need to know, know is the correct spell to be able to get Facebook to do what you wanted to do. It's not magic. I don't care if you say Leviosa or Leviosa. It's not going to work. Uh, so, no. There are some ways, though. You can go into um, into click on your your picture in the top right hand uh, in Facebook, and you can actually go in and change your ad preferences. Where you can say, "I don't want to see ads targeted based on what I like or what I don't like." Um, so it's in security, uh, in settings, and then privacy. Go to settings and then ad preferences. And you actually will have the option to say, "I don't want to receive." targeted ads from ad ad partners. I've done that and actually does cut down on some of those ads that you sit there and say, why are you showing me this? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make you completely anonymous. Again, Facebook, the reason why you don't pay Facebook is you are what's being sold. Yep. Right. You, 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 you are the product. So you're yep. update, uploading all your images and things like that. Facebook makes its money from advertisement, and they're going to make the advertisements based on you because they're going to make more money off of you. Absolutely. That's just the way it works. If you learn nothing else tonight, take that to the bank. <laughs> yes. Right? <laughs> Patrick, thank you as always. It's a pleasure talking to you. And for our listeners, um, twice a month Patrick joins us. We try to give you a heads mm-hmm. up so you can sneak in with these questions and we can address them during the program. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Have a good night. You too. More coming up. Uh, stay with us. <clears throat> we want to take a moment to say... This is our last show for this go-around here at WKGC Studios in Panama City, Florida. And four. We've got four shows under our belt. Right, Caleb? I know it feels like 14, but it's only four. It's four. <laughs> and and we can't thank uh, the powers that be here yes. for, for making this as seamless as as possible and and caleb in particular you uh, this has been you've made it so easy Uh, thank you fortunately babysitting the box is the easy part uh no big thanks to tom for making sure that everything's set up uh and and steve youngblood for helping make sure the tech stuff is connected a to b that's true uh, and uh, one of you brought me in a cough switch today, which I think I need. So thank you for that, too. <laughs> Very nice. And our thanks to uh, Melody Boyd, who is the uh, division chair uh, here at uh, Gulf Coast. And also uh, Dr. Erica Goins, uh, director of broadcasting and production. And uh, Steve Youngblood, uh, chief engineer, for helping uh, Tom and Caleb to set up everything. And Steve's uh, also a musician. Yeah, he, he is. dropped off his CD yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to be playing a little bit of that at some mm-hmm. point, too. Okay. And, and also, our, our th- as long as we're thanking everybody, uh, that there has been a staff of people here and in Chicago that have seamlessly made I, yeah. these endeavors possible. Uh, our thanks to... Uh, Brett Jackson and Dan Long and Ron Brown, of course, and Gabe Salgado and uh, uh, Julian and... Uh, and Bill. And oh, Bill Murdoch, chief, chief engineer, engineer back at WGN yeah. Radio. At no point did he say, really? You're going to make us go... No, he says, oh, we can do this. We'll send you the equipment if you need it. But if you got the equipment, great. We'll just work this yep. out. And had a great attitude about it. And we're, we're very happy that um, the management said, sure, uh, if you'll do the show... We will work with you, and if yeah. that means you're going to be going back and forth to Florida, then let's do it. 
And our thanks to uh, to Mary Boyle yeah. uh, at WGN Radio, uh, who is the uh, programming czar. And uh, she said, if you really want to do this, sure, go ahead mm-hmm. and do it. Yeah. And if all goes well, uh, in a couple months, we may repeat this. Uh, Tuesday, we head back to Chicago, so our show next Saturday night will be from the WGN Radio Studios. And for those people who've sent me messages about the cat family that's living under our new deck, I know we're leaving on Tuesday, but I'm not leaving them uncared for. They're going to be taken care of. I, I don't think they're magically going to walk into my cage by Tuesday morning. <laughs> I'll try. You know, crazier things have happened, but a mama and four babies, and oh my gosh, are they cute. Oh, there's a part of me that says, leave me here. I'll take care of the cats. <laughs> Next week on the program, when we're back in Chicago, we're going to be talking with Carl Giomarisi of the Buckinghams, and he's going to be joining us. He's going to be joining us later in the summer because he's got a very busy touring schedule. He's going to join us to perform as a member of the Buckinghams, but next week he's going to join us to talk about a movie that is mm-hmm. going to be screened on Sunday night. Finally. Finally, the movie about this jockey, Dick Biondi. Yeah. And Carl is going to be the MC of that uh, show on Sunday night, and he's going to give us all the details next Saturday on the program. Also next Saturday, we're going to be talking with Adam Selzer. He's the author of a fascinating book. This title may confuse you, but trust me, it, you're going to love this. The book is Graceland Cemetery, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets. And whether or not you've ever been to the Graceland Cemetery, or if, even if you don't live in Chicago, the stories in this one cemetery are amazing and he's got some great pictures and it's Mm -hmm. going to be screened on sunday night finally finally the movie about this jockey dick biondi and carl is going to be the mc of that uh, show on sunday night and he's going to give us all the details next saturday on the program also next saturday we're going to be talking with adam selzer He's the author of a fascinating book. This title may confuse you, but trust me, you're going to love this. The book is Graceland Cemetery, Chicago Stories, Symbols, and Secrets. And whether or not you've ever been to the Graceland Cemetery, or even if you don't live in Chicago, the stories in this one cemetery are amazing and he's got some great pictures in his book and he's got some terrific stories so we're going to talk to him and it's car week next week and tom appel will join us and we'll talk car news and he'll answer car questions so we got a lot coming up next week when we're back and hopefully it'll be warm when we return yeah because i think we've gone through well 19 seasons since we we went through when we left it was the the spring of of deception deception mm-hmm. and then it became like unbelievable weather and people were texting me going well you left too soon blah, 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 blah. and then it got cold and that's exactly what they said blah, 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 blah. yeah and i think now you're into the where well it's probably the mud season mud spring and then we'll have legitimate spring real soon so hang in there when we come back uh We'll talk a little bit about Mother's Day. So. It is Mother's Day now, yes. So stay with us at WGN. Early Sunday morning, Mother's Day. It is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day can be kind of a loaded day for some women. In fact, um, for a few weeks now, I've been getting email from companies that wanted to know if I wanted email reminding me that it was Mother's Day. Because... Uh, Again, it's difficult for some folks to get this email to remind them of a loss, 
uh, of a child or of a parent. Back in 2019, Chicago Tribune columnist Heidi Stevens wrote a column entitled, Happy Mother's Day Makes Me Wince a Little. What I Wish We Could Say Instead. And she says it so perfectly in this column. I just wanted to share it with you. Again, Heidi Stevens from the Chicago Tribune. She published it again this year. And it's timeless. Happy Mother's Day makes me wince a little. I know too many mothers who grieve, who will always and forever miss a child they knew and adored and obsessed over and then lost. I know too many friends who lost their own mothers too soon, who would give anything for one more year, one more day, one more conversation with their first true love. I know the truth about mothering, which is that it makes the world more beautiful than you knew it could more joyful than you imagine was possible, more terrifying than you think you can weather. I know mothering is wonderful and exhausting, gratifying and soul-crushing, electrifying and tedious. I know it's not for everyone. I know we're not great at allowing women to say no thanks to motherhood without giving them a glance that says, you sure? I know that glance isn't warranted. I know Mother's Day is complicated. You know Mother's Day is complicated because motherhood is complicated. Happy? Sure, very often. On a preordained Sunday in May? Eh, maybe. Depends if anyone has pink eye or stomach flu or a terrible attitude or a bone to pick with a sibling, a massive biology project on palm oils, devastating contributions to deportation that's due on Monday. Well, happy is laudable and possible. It's not a given. It can feel like a lot of pressure. And here's what I wish for any of you celebrating the day. That someone knows you well enough to say, what do you want this day to be? And then listen and respect your answers. Maybe that someone is you, knowing to ask that of yourself. If so, that's beautiful. That if you're missing someone, you feel him or her with you. That you think of a story about your person, a story that makes you laugh or blush or feel something true, and you tell it out loud to someone nearby. That you see something beautiful. It could be your son's skin or your neighbor's magnolia tree or a poem that isn't inside a greeting card. That you hear some music. That you laugh. That no one revs up a leaf blower in your vicinity. That no one interrupts you before you finish that page. That no one changes the subject before you're ready. That no one makes you feel unwelcome. That someone takes your photo. That someone holds the door for you. That someone pours your drink or even if it's coffee. That someone saves you that last bite of pie. That someone looks at you right in the eye while you're talking. That someone thanks you. That someone calls you gorgeous. You are. That if a gift certificate to a spa would make you happy, you get a gift certificate to a spa. That if you love flowers, you get flowers. If it's perfume that brings you joy, you get perfume. If it's brunch that's your jam, you get brunch. If it's your garden that's your pride, you get to dig in it. If it's a gift certificate to Costco that makes your heart sing, you get that instead of the spa thing. That if you'd rather have White Sox tickets, you get those. If you'd rather see Avengers Endgame, you do that. That if brunch strikes you as stupid, you drink a mimosa on your porch. 
that your day, in other words, leaves you feeling like you're known and appreciated and liked and loved for the person you are and the person you've been and the person you're becoming, none of whom is perfect, none of whom pretends to be, none of whom would really want to be perfect or even hang out with someone perfect because perfect chokes all the laughing and all the failing and falling and exploring and the growing out of life. That's a mouthful. It doesn't fit inside the space between swiping your credit card and the cashier handing you your items. So the cashier says, Happy Mother's Day. Or the minister says it. Or the barista says it. Or your neighbor. And maybe it will be happy. I hope that it will. But if it's sad, if you're sad, you're not alone. If the day is more complicated than you hoped, you're not alone. You really are not. That's what I wish for all of us on Mother's Day, on any day, of course. But this particular day weighs a little more than the others. That weight can strengthen you or can feel like it's sitting on your chest. Either way, I hope you don't feel alone with it. That's my wish for any of you celebrating this day. That's beautiful. That's Heidi Stevens. Yeah, Heidi Stevens' column from the Chicago Tribune. I believe you said it was, what, 2019? 2019, entitled... And if you're on Facebook, you'll see she posted it on her page. Happy Mother's Day makes me wince a little what I wish we could say instead. We all have different things that we think of when we think of our moms. (laughs) I think of coffee. Oh, sure. And potatoes. (laughs) Because my mom, her maiden name was Mary Elizabeth Carroll. And my grandparents on my mother's side came over on the boat from Ireland. And my mother was born on St. Patrick's Day. And we would take her out to to lunch, <laughs> dinner, whatever, and as long as she got... Black coffee. Black coffee. Potato everything. <laughs> and a potato to take home. Yes. For dinner later that day. No entree, just a potato soup and a baked potato. And can I have a potato to go? Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And when I think of my mom, and it's been 12 years since she passed, I still feel her reaching over and pushing my bangs off my forehead. And I'm like, please (laughs) stop touching my hair. I'm 60. Why are you doing this to me? I guess I wasn't 60 then, but I felt like I'm old enough to... And I would never think to do that to her, but that mm-hmm. was just her way of saying, I'm here. And finally, I just said, she's going to do it. She's just going to do it. I'm three as far as she's concerned. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Mm-hmm. When both of us met our about-to-be in-laws... There was never a problem. No. Like, from day one, yeah. uh, I had a, a fun time with your mom and dad. and uh, Too much fun. Uh, yeah. Because I remember I broke up with you, and you were still hanging out with my mom and dad. <laughs> True story. And I come home, and there's a note on the table that says, we're out with Steve. And I'm like, what? <laughs> there was... <laughs> and, you come, and they come home laughing, and, oh, we went out to eat. We went to a concert. Oh, and, and, yeah, I, I took them with a concert. I, I was emceeing a concert yeah. with, the, with the Bo Diddley, and oh, I forget I who else. and the. Johnny's mom and dad and I, we had a great time together. <laughs> and then we had ice cream at McDonald's afterwards. Yeah. I'm not saying you made the wrong decision at the time, all right? 
<laughs> it's a story. <laughs> if you hadn't have broken up with him, I know we wouldn't have the story. This is true. What a boat so, diddly. So it was all fodder for. Uh, <laughs> and I still have the note that they left me, which was so. St- I was seething. You have turned on me. <laughs> <laughs> they said no. Uh uh-uh, We have a life. Yeah. We had so much fun. Yeah. And as I recall, we didn't get home to about two or three in the morning. Oh, I or know. Something. It was very, very well, late. They never yeah. stayed out that late. <laughs> but I also want to. That was a smooth mood on your part. When I think of your mom, I think of the best fried chicken I have ever I or will ever have this in my true. life this is was true. made by Johnny's mom. In fact, uh, anytime you say, oh, I'm not even going to ask Steve what he wants, for, I'm making fried chicken. <laughs> So that was good. All right. You live with your mom and grandma, right, Caleb? Yes, I do. So when, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of them? The first thing that comes to mind, same boat with Steve, it's it's coffee. Really? It, yeah. My grandmother, uh, yeah, coffee with chicory. Ooh. She's from Rhode Island, but loves coffee with chicory. Oh, that's funny, because so did my dad. Uh, I Just something about it. Yeah. Um, but no, the... Times like these, going to bed at you know four or five in the morning uh-huh. after a show, and you know hearing the gurgle of the coffee pot <laughs> just through the door go. It's calling you. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, you know, that's great. She got Is she black or with cream and sugar? Uh, with cream and sugar. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, His mom was black coffee. I, was like, I, I feel it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do too. It's the way I take it, but you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my favorite story with your mom was she had not been to a doctor in a very long time. And being the girl in the family, I was asked, would I please go to the doctor with her? And I was sitting in the doctor's office when he said to her, so, Miss Mary, I'll never forget this. When did you last see the doctor? And she looked at me and said, how old is Steve? And I told her, and she turned to the doctor and said, well, I guess it was 48 years ago. And he swung around and said, what do you eat every day? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, coffee, and I'll never forget. What do you put in your... Black coffee. He started taking notes about my mom's Copious notes. He said, can I call you? And she said, yeah, I I, I guess so. And then as we walked out, she said, I'm not going back there anymore. (laughs) Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mom and today is your day, enjoy it. More coming up. Stay with us at WGN. By the way, you can uh, check us out on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash Steve and Johnny Show and spell Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-I-E. Also, check out our blog. And, uh, yes, we are remiss in not having updated uh, our blog for uh, a couple weeks, but we will be doing that. But specifically, from tonight's show, some people asking where did you say we could get the gluten-free information? Mm-hmm. Go to our blog, which is steveandjohnny.wordpress.com. On the right side of the page, you will see a, an index. And on that index, you will see a link to the post that we've done about gluten-free cooking and gluten-free mm-hmm. diet and a lot of information on restaurants and uh, gluten-free options that you should be aware of. And if you have any suggestions for restaurants we should be aware of or gluten-free items or things that we haven't put on our blog, 
Send us an email. You can uh, email us at uh, email us at steveandjohnny.com. Yes, that's our real address. Email us at steveandjohnny.com. And uh, send us your suggestions. We'll check them out, and we'll add them to the blog. Absolutely. And looking for new restaurants all the time now that we're, we're free to go out a little bit more. Um, somebody asked me the other day, how much do we spend for groceries? Because... I had pointed out that a loaf of bread, gluten-free bread, can run you as much as 7 or $8 a loaf of bread. And I said, well, um, probably a lot more than most mm-hmm. families of two because we're buying gluten-free uh, products, but we don't go out to eat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kind of it's a wash in the end. But, yeah, a loaf of bread can run you 7 or $8. A pack of crackers can run you 6 or $7. I mean, it's not inexpensive. And one of the things I, 20 years ago when you were diagnosed, we said, you know what? We should invest in this gluten-free yeah. food. And now the global market is in the billions. Yeah. Billions. It's huge. And people are asking us, what about your gluten-free cookbook? Yes. And yes, that is going to happen. Well, You'll find a lot of Johnny's recipes on our blog. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to incorporate that into some other things that we've we've got in mind. So. And I often say to you, but, you know, people can get all of this information off the Internet, and to which you say, well, no, your recipes are different than what's they on really the Internet. Are. So I'm, I'm kind of being talked into... And I don't want to embarrass Johnny, but uh, honestly, she is a wonderful cook and has gone out of her way to learn how to cook gluten-free. And it ain't easy. It's not easy. And I do think you came up with an idea some time ago when I was kind of pulling back on the whole concept of a a gluten-free cookbook. You said, yes, but if we were to have available a demonstration, videos online, you get the book, now you have access to videos so you see how this Mm -hmm. looks. Because a lot of times when you're cooking gluten-free, you think you're making a massive mistake. It's just not the same. Um, Making gluten-free bread is something that I'm sure anyone out there that's tried it before, you know, you're thinking it's something from another planet because it just doesn't act right. It's And also, if you're going to make gluten-free bread, now you are the chefist. I am mm. only the, the consumer. But if you're going to make gluten-free bread, I believe over the years you have told me, do not spend money on an expensive mixer because no. you are, in fact, going to burn, burn through them. So yeah. get the cheap mixers. Yeah. They will... The, the, the gluten-free, it is so dense. It, and and sticky. And, again, it looks wrong when you're doing it. It looks wrong. <laughs> so if you get a cheap mixer, run you about $20, $25, and you're using it to mix the, the dough... And it starts smoking. Okay, you toss it, you take out another one. But if you've got a $200 mixer and it starts smoking, it's it's heartbreaking. That's just something that I've learned from experience that after burning up a, a very expensive one. But once it's done, I mean, it's worth it. Uh, I make gluten-free bread for anyone who comes to our house to eat, and mm-hmm. no one's complained yet. So <laughs> I'll stick to it. <laughs> and maybe I will do that cookbook after all. Yes. But uh, speaking of bread, uh, we had that wonderful text from the young man who has started his own business. And uh, I I hope that his uncle heard us, but we're going to get him on the air because... Um, 
Dave, Dave actually goes to bed at 8, 8.30 at night because he's a baker. And he's made a commitment that he's just going to be totally safe and gluten-free in his bakery. We're going to check his place awesome. out. Awesome, yeah. Okay, uh, coming up next week, we're going to be back in Chicago. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of, a, of an adjustment because we've been here a month. Mm-hmm. And it's been and we've been used to real easy drives to and from <laughs> the station. In fact, if you go to our Facebook page, you'll see tonight we posted some of the uh, the pictures of our drive yes. in. It was a real pretty drive tonight. It was a big eighteen minutes. We were slowed yeah. down because we took a new route. Eighteen minutes, and we were after the Ironman triathlon, yes. which was going on. Saturday in yes. Panama City Beach, and th- this is a worldwide event. This is, it started out years ago as just kind of a local. Oh, we're going to do this triathlon. It is now one of the triathlon events in the world. They swim, they run, and they bike ride. Mm-hmm. And I think the bike. What a total is, of about seventy-six miles for everything I, that they're doing. It's like fifty-six yeah. miles on the bike. Yeah. It's it's a significant physical crazy. commitment. It it is yeah. insane. And what's cool is if you do go to a restaurant the night before Iron Man, go to an Italian restaurant where they're all carbo loaded. <laughs> yep. And yeah. they're they're eating ginormous plates of pasta. And that's because they're going to get the energy to go out there at the crack of dawn. And sometimes it's cold here at this Mm -hmm. time of the year. And they've had the water was cold, Mm -hmm. but it was perfect today. It was warm and the water was like 76 degrees. Oh, my gosh. But uh, I have nothing but respect for them. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) They are my heroes. Yes. Oh, they just started flicking the lights, which means. Yes. We need to, uh, to ask you to. Dial 312-981-7200 if you would like to be in the queue for our last call. Our very last call of the evening. The guy that that drives the big floor sweeper here, he's waiting patiently for us to get get through so he can shine these floors at the college. (laughs) So the lights are starting to flick. We're getting ready for last call. So 312-981-7200 if you want to be... Should we take two last calls? Because we've got... But then which one would be the last call? They'd be fighting. We don't want fighting. Well, I was going to make it interesting for Julian since it's his first night and the last call, you know. Maybe. Maybe we'll have a backup. Maybe, because we got prizes to give away. Well, there's that. Yeah. Anyhow, 312-981-7200 if you uh, want to be our last caller. And we should mention, you can't have won anything from WGN Radio in the last two months. Okay? So, last call coming up. and I'm just looking here. Uh, why can't you say the first caller that calls in? It's very hard to get through. Well, yeah, that's true, but um, Julian just takes a bank of phone calls, and then we choose a yeah, number. Yeah, we arbitrarily pick. Yeah, because between, that keeps somebody. I think somebody, it's between 1 and 5,003. Well, actually, it we keeps choose. some people who are used to calling radio stations for prizes from sitting there ready to hit dial and be yeah. the, you know, the first caller in. So it's just it's not perfect, but it's our way of doing it. Okay. All right. Uh, I think last week you chose the yes. number. So, so this I'm year. Gonna, uh, this time around, I'm going to choose number two. 
And Julian number two is male or female? It would be male. And male. we're going to say, who is it, Julian? Our last caller is Bob. In Bob. Um, okay. So, I, Bob, it's your lucky night. I chose you, Bob. How are you this hey. evening? Great. Long-time listener. Glad to hear you guys back on the air. Thank I'm you, in Arlington Thank Heights. Mm-hmm. Arlington and Heights. Really great to hear you guys back. And, you know, just hearing that coming in with the Live commercial um, and in honor of your uh, Ironman triathlon in Panama City this week, back in, you know, I'm a contemporary of you guys. I'm actually a little older than you, but back in my prime, I did a triathlon almost every weekend. Really? <gasps> what? Play, yeah. I would play 18 holes of golf in a cart and then come home and watch whatever golf tournament was on TV mm-hmm. and then fall asleep reading the golf magazine. Okay. That's right. a good that, that, that was a yeah. triathlon. That works for me. That was my I, triathlon. You know what? Come to think of it, I've done a triathlon shopping. <laughs> I've gone to at least three stores at one time, and I've actually hurt myself carrying my my packages out. Well, there have been days when I played three guitars. This is true. So yeah. there you go. They were... <laughs> We're kindred spirits. How do you like that? I'll, why are you? I'll, I'll do all that running the first time I see somebody smiling when they're doing it. <laughs> well, actually, when they go through the ribbon at the end, oh my gosh, they the excitement. They, they did today. It was humid. I said it was beautiful weather, but then I thought after we went to the break, wait a minute, it had to be pretty heavy on you. Oh yeah, because it was incredibly humid. Oh. Why are you up at this hour, Bob? Well, I've listened to your show every week, and I've oh, called in a couple you. times trying to be the last call. All and, right. And I and I keep telling whoever your your screener is each week. Mm-hmm. I wish they would put you guys on through you know Monday through Friday too, but I don't. I, I really don't want to wish that on you. Thank you. Well, <laughs> and, and I'll be real. Obviously, I, I think we, we may have mentioned this online, but but for anybody uh, who who cares. Uh, WGN Radio Management has been wonderful. Honestly, they wanted us to do five nights a week. And we said, thank you very much, but we kind of like our life the way it is right now. And they were nice enough to say, well, could you at least come back and and do a Saturday night? And we said, okay, fine. I mean, we have zero complaints with WGN Management. They have been over backwards to be very, very nice to us. And the fun thing was we came full circle because we started in 1985 working Saturday nights. That was our first regular show. It was Mm -hmm. a Saturday night show. And then it was just a matter of months before then we transitioned to five nights a week. And it's just a different vibe to Saturday night. Completely different vibe. We always like to say it's a safe place to come if you can just want to come and chill out and we're not going to harangue. Tonight was a little different because we talked about um, um, medical news Mm -hmm. uh, for an hour. But, you know, nothing that's the end of the world we and, and if there's something heavy going on uh, we want you to know of course if if breaking news or something of course we're going to cover it but for the most part we we just kind of want this to be a place where you can chill out relax and have some fun yeah and we're glad you did that bob because guess what you're going to be sporting the exclusive wgn radio retro logo t-shirt 
And you are going to be the proud owner of the desktop weather station from American Weathermakers Heating, Cooling, and Plumbing, the 60-Minute Men. Visit AmericanWeathermakers.com, and you're going to love both of those gifts coming to you from the Stephen Johnny Show, number 19. Stephen Johnny 2.0, number 19 yes. is tonight. <laughs> Bob, thank well, you so much. 19 is a lucky number because that's the that's date that I married my wife, Sherry. So oh, well, November nice. 19th. Well, good. So, well, it's been a pleasure to talk to you tonight, Bob. Great and talking a- to you guys. And again, it's so good to have you back. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, we'll check in next Saturday night. We'll be back at 9 o'clock. We're doing full shows now that there's no hockey yep. to, to step in and sure will. take up the show. Thank you, Bob. Hang on. Hang on for a second. We'll get some information Thanks. from you off the air. Uh, speaking of the, the weather station reminds me. Mm-hmm. I got so confused. I, I'm I'm normally confused. Or easily but I was, confused. Even a little more confused earlier tonight, mm-hmm. uh, partly personal, sometimes during the newscast, we'll run out to the restroom. Okay. When we do, I am used to hearing WGN radio playing on the monitors. Because we are operating from a different location, I hear a different radio station. Okay. Well, I kind of glance at my watch to make sure what the time is. And we're in the same time zone. I glanced at my watch. It was after midnight. I have a watch that automatically recalibrates after midnight. Oh, no. So I looked at my watch, and it, it just said, instead of a time, it said RC, and it's flashing. It's fl- And I know it's recalibrating to oh, make no. sure that it's with the Greenwich Mean Time and blah, 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 blah. I was so confused. It's not my music. I can't see anything on my watch. <laughs> I just wanted to go to the bathroom. But I soldiered through. <laughs> and you came back for two more like hours. Like the professional... That I would like to be. <laughs> Don't push it, okay? I know. Uh, I dropped a pearl, so you have to forgive me. I'm I'm a little distracted. Oh dear! Yeah, you did. one of my freshwater pearls fell off my my wrist, and <laughs> I never thought I'd say that on the radio. But so it did. so we may or may not be heading back to Chicago, <laughs> no. depending on the outcome of the well, pearl actually, search. Actually, I just glanced down and I saw where it is, and it looks like a tooth. So I should just leave it there. <laughs> Okay. You're going to scare the smut out of maintenance. Please <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, don't harass. <laughs> yes. Well, once I, when I was on the air, I looked down, and the diamond had fallen out of my engagement ring, and I screamed on the air. <laughs> and, and engineering can remember, and mm-hmm. you stood straight up. Are you okay? And I said, look. And I'm holding my hand up on the radio going, look, the diamond is gone. And it was three years later that it was found in the carpeting. At the radio station, and a nice engineer brought it back to me. Bob Bro said, I think you lost mm-hmm. this a few years ago. Yep. Yeah, sure did. On that note, I think we've just about run out of words. Yeah. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Caleb, thank you so much. Thank You've you, Caleb. You've made this real easy. We will talk to you guys uh, next week from uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. 